Cinema with Big Willie and the Samurai, bringing class to trash since Everybody, welcome to the GGTMC. I am back from the somewhere, uh, you know, outer space in my slight vacation on the uh, Moonraker space station. Um, and with me, I have Large William, who's uh, on sort of a vacation. Am I right, Will? Yeah, I'm on. Okay, so we got Will, and you guys uh, will hopefully he'll hang in there. We've had some issues getting started this morning, but uh, yeah, he's out there and about, you know, probably looking at the crop circles. The jungles of Vietnam. There we go. Yeah, yeah, or the Philippines, whichever. Or the Philippines with Vic Diaz. <laughs> Just be careful, man, because yeah. the explosions in the Philippines are always acceler- accelerated. You know, amplified. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I didn't get the the hut by the lake, so I should be okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, be careful there. Yeah, uh, with us today, a very special guest and dear friends who have a great show of their own. The Milk Creeps are with us today. We have uh, Aaron. How you doing, Aaron? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Sorry, I, was, I got, got a little emotional during that intro. <sighs> okay, I'm better now. How are you guys? Uh, good, good. Good to have you back, as always. Always nice to have you on the show. Nice and uh, we got uh, CDR over there on the uh, West Coast. His, his uh, GGTMC uh, debut. How you doing there, Chris? No, it's not his debut. Oh, it's not? It's, that's right, it's right. You lie in the intro. Oh, I did lie, but I don't think I was on the show with him, right? Correct. Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> so his debut with me. There we go. Yes. Yeah. Thanks for having me. <laughs> that's right, baby. Red Bull and <laughs> the trees. <laughs> yeah, the popcorn cheese, yo. Yeah. Red Bull and popcorn balls this morning for everybody. <laughs> uh, okay, so this week, uh, we kind of want to do something special. For episodes 249 and 250, so we'll have something again next week, and we'll let you guys know what that is. But this week, we are finally tackling uh, Bruno Mattei's 
Strike Commando series. Um, Indeed. His double douche of the, uh, uh, well, it's only a slight ripoff of Rambo. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so uh, we're doing Strike Commando, which is from, the, as I always say, the magical year of 1987, that wonderful year. And uh, Strike Commando 2, which was from the magnificent year right after 1987, which would have been 1988, I think. And, uh, yeah, so that's what we're covering. And it's been a long, long, long time coming. We've talked about covering these films, I don't know, since like episode two or one. Uh, <laughs> Maybe even before we started recording the show. So yeah, yeah, they were, I think, on the docket right from the get-go, man. So uh, we, we held them off for a reason. One of our old listeners, uh, Hans, I don't know if you remember him, Aaron, but Hans, he... Oh, yeah. Yeah, he he he. Uh, he we held him off. We were going to bring him on, and uh, it just never kind of worked out. We don't even know if he listens anymore. Now, hopefully, he hears this and he's still out there. But yeah, he he just kind of disappeared off the face of the earth. Uh, we kept in touch like through our blogs and stuff, but uh, he hasn't really been updating that either. So yeah, so I don't know what he's up to, and but hopefully everything's okay, and and hopefully he'll hear this and give us a little feedback or something else. We'll see. But uh, yeah, so that's what we're doing: Strike Commando One, Strike Commando Two. If you haven't seen them, just look up the posters, and that'll make you want to see them right, right away. Right yeah. away. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's get into what we've been watching a little bit. I defer to the guests. Now, you guys don't have to. I know you guys have a uh, little bit of a podcast, so you don't have to go into too much detail if you don't want to, but that's up to you. But uh, you can talk about whichever you want to talk about. So whomever wants to go, uh, I give the floor to they. Cool. Take I'll it. go first. I only have yeah, I only have like three to talk about. We don't do uh, what we've been watching, so uh, this oh, is pretty true. cool. Oh, yeah, that's true. You guys don't. That's right. So uh, up first, I watched a very GGTMC film for the first time. Uh, Lance Henriksen, William Forsythe, nice. The Boss. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, Stone Cold! <laughs> <laughs> I watched Stone Cold for the first time, and uh, it was a lot of fun, man. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think what I like most about this movie is that like every single one of the bikers, like from Lance Henriksen down to like the extra like way in the background whose head you can barely see like they're all just fucking neanderthals like beating their chest and <laughs> yeah it's fucking insane yeah. um so yeah that was a lot of fun don't, uh, don't they don't they all carry knives dipped in shit <laughs> yeah and i gotta i gotta say that that viking funeral was fucking amazing yeah amazing <laughs> yeah it's one of those movies man it's muy macho Indeed, indeed. And then uh, up next, I watched Hong Kong Godfather. Oh, nice. Yeah, well. fucking hey. <laughs> I think we might cover this on our show, like, I don't know, sometime down the line. So I won't say too much about it, but I will say that it has probably the best uh, scene of on-screen child death I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's odd. It's odd you watched that. I watched a. Uh, I watched a little bit of that uh, just yesterday. I didn't watch all of it. Just watched a little bit. Oh, of nice. It. Have, have you had you seen it before or no? Uh, no, I have not. I have not. Oh man, you're going to be in for a treat if you uh, finish yeah. it. I'll, I'll say that much. Yeah. Speaking of Pantheon films, nice. yeah, nice. for real. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Get ready for uh, lots of fucking butcher knives. I'll say that much. I did see the butcher knife stuff. Yes, I did see that. <laughs> So I am ready for um, it. It it, it wetted the appetite, so to speak. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, I hope to hear you talk about that on the show soon. Um, and then uh, the other day, uh, I watched Kick Ass Two in uh, in the cinema, what? and uh, it was pretty good. It was it was fun. Um, 
not as good as the first. Uh, the first was like an 8 out of 10 for me. This is like a, a 7, solid 7. Uh, really enjoyable. Um, it's kind of like if the first Kick-Ass was like a really great band that broke up and then Kick-Ass 2 is like the reunion tour where they just do it for the money and like play the greatest hits, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like the, I mean, it's still good because they're playing the greatest hits, but like it just doesn't have that same fire that it had before. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, but it's cool though. There's like a, a lot of cool like characters they introduce and stuff and like towards the end it's like it turns into like the warriors or something there's like so many like costume people running around and just like <laughs> beating the shit out of each other yeah I've, I've seen on uh facebook and some of the other social media sites a lot of people saying it's like uh, it feels like a direct video sequel as opposed to a theatrical one yeah yeah a little bit i can see that um but uh yeah uh if anybody if any of you guys or anybody out there plans on seeing it just wait till you uh Feast your eyes on Mother Russia. That's all I say. Yeah, that, char- that character is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, oh, and uh, Lindy Booth uh, as Night Bitch. She's uh, she's banging in it. So great name, Night Bitch. Yeah, <laughs> that's my my old street handle back in my hooking days. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, that's all I got. I'm sure Chris has like 20 movies to talk about, so uh, go for it, dude. Yeah, I've got a Zom mask list, so I'll, oh, I'll race through them. Oh. <laughs> um, first up was uh, Car Wash, 1976. Nice. Uh, Joel Schumacher. Um, yeah, this is a fun movie. It's all pretty much vignettes. It's uh, I was as I was watching it, I was sort of lamenting the death of the black comedy. I mean, I mean, other than Tyler Perry, there's not a lot of great sort of black centric comedies out these days and I kind of miss that. I grew yeah. up watching a lot. So yeah. it's too bad. Uh, and great cast on that movie. Pretty amazing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> and it looks like a post a post uh uh facial burning uh, appearance from uh from Mr. Uh, Pryor. He looks a little <laughs> little sizzled in that movie. Yeah. Yeah well he probably was. Yeah. yeah. Both uh, figuratively and, you know, probably literally. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, next up was uh, The Dark Backward from uh, 91. Uh, this is by Adam Rifkin, starring uh, Judd Nelson. <laughs> Judd Nelson, Big Bill Paxton, and uh, Wayne Newton. Yes. Uh, and it, this is a weird fucking movie, man. Uh, I like Adam Rifkin uh, a fair bit. He's he's up and down in a lot of ways. Like he, all of his movies aren't hits, but uh, mm. when he hits, his stuff is uh, always pretty interesting. Uh, this is no different. This is probably his weirdest movie. Um, Judd Nelson actually seems to be channeling Rifkin in in terms of the way he looks and everything. Uh, and it looks like he lost like a lot of weight for this role. He's super skinny and emaciated looking and. Paxton is uh, really fucking disgusting. Uh, he eats the, the most disgusting piece of chicken I think I've ever seen <laughs> in a movie. Uh, it, it literally falls off the bone and it's covered in green slime. Uh. <laughs> it's really fucking gross. He works at a dump. so yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, It's also got Lara Flynn Boyle and James Caan, which is strange. Yeah. So yeah, weird movie all around, but I, I really dug it. Um, next up was Lovelace. Um I didn't really like this movie at all. Mm. Uh, it feels really slight, kind of like a TV movie in a lot of ways. Um, it seems to be also shooting for the Boogie Nights thing and not hitting at all. Uh, and it really cuts a lot out of that story and just sort of sticks to one 
small segment, but also kind of leaves uh, some of the more interesting aspects of that story out. Uh, good performances, though. Uh, just seemed fairly slight. Yeah. Uh, next up, I felt the same way about this movie, is uh, The Iceman, uh, starring Michael Shannon, uh, yeah. Winona Ryder. Um, this was a huge disappointment. Um, oh, I th- this is a first-time director. At least this is his first uh, Hollywood production, I think. Right. And you can really tell. Uh, it feels like Donnie Brasco more than, in a, than a character piece, which it kind of should. Uh, he focuses in way too much on the mob aspects and not enough on the actual character. Um, and I've, I've watched a bunch of the interviews with the real guy. And, you know, I, I know a fair bit about that story. And he leaves out all of the interesting shit and just focuses mainly on the mob stuff and a little bit on his family interaction. But, yeah, Michael Shannon, Shannon's great in it. But other than that, it's it's not really well directed. And, yeah, overall, I was it's probably one of the most disappointing movies I've seen this year. Mm. Oh, bummer. I was looking forward to that. Yeah, me too. Uh, next up, another disappointment, uh, Michael Bay's Pain and Gain. Not that my hopes were too high for this one. Uh, um, yeah, uh, The Rock is the standout, as most people have pro- uh, talked about. Uh, he's great in it. Um, I found Mark Wahlberg really annoying in this movie, and I usually like him. Uh, but, I mean, I think his character is not supposed to be likable. But uh, I don't like Michael Bay's comedy at all. It's, it's, I don't find any of the shit he does funny. And uh, I was thinking, I wrote on the group that all I was thinking about is this material is so great that, uh, you know, in the hands of someone like the Coens or better directors, I think this story could have been really, really well done and interesting. But as it is, it's, uh, it's a little too broad in terms of the comedy aspects. And I think if, if it was it shot for a little bit of dark humor, it might have been uh, funnier and, and better. Visually, it's, it's uh, probably his best looking movie. Uh, I've seen it in a while, though. Um, next up, uh, Clear History. This is uh, the Larry David movie made for HBO. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's basically just an extended episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah. Uh, it's got Larry, a great cast. Larry David in costume? Yeah, he's in, he's only in costume for the first uh, 15 minutes or so, and then uh, he goes back to looking like Larry David. Oh, okay. Um, he's more of an everyman sort of guy. He's not, you know, he's it's a sort of uh, riches to rags story and... Uh, it felt a little bit like dirty rotten scoundrels or something because he's he's you know he's typical Larry David. He's not a likable character at all and <laughs> does a lot of bad shit. And <laughs> so in a typical fashion, he gets his comeuppance. Uh, great cast though. Uh, uh, Michael Keaton uh, came out of his hole wherever he's been to uh, to play a character named John St- or Joe Stumpo. Who he's like sort of a scumbag character. I, I liked him in it. And uh, it's really weird to see Larry David and Danny McBride together as, like, best buddies in a movie, considering the age difference there. Yeah. Um, And next up for something completely different, I watched uh, Jane Campion's The Piano. Oh, yes. Um, I've been talking up Top of the Lake a fair amount on our show. Uh, It's the TV show she did. Um, and it's one of the best shows I've seen in years. It's a mini-series, only six episodes, and I decided to to catch up with this because I'd never seen it, and uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, great performances, um, great direction, um, yeah, it's, and Harvey Keitel uh, pulling off a pretty good accent. He's not always uh, spot on with his accents, but he pulled it off in this one. Oh, and he gets his dick out again, yeah, so yeah. it's great. I say he, pull, he pulled off more than an accent in that one. Yeah. Yeah, he's all during that period. It seemed in his career, he was yeah. all about whipping that schlong out. 
yeah, it's yeah. part of his contract. <laughs> yeah. His <laughs> dick or his ass. Contract. Oh, oh. <laughs> a little dubstep going on again there. Just hang in there, Will. <laughs> maybe, maybe it'll come back. <laughs> um, I'll skip the next one because it's not all that interesting. And uh, the last thing I watched uh, today, I watched Iron Man 3. Um, and I've been sort of back and forth on a lot of the, the more recent Marvel stuff. I haven't really liked most of that, that stuff because it feels it, – it's felt to me sort of um, a little too flat or straightforward in terms of the plotting and stuff. But, man, this movie fucking rocks. This is probably my favorite Marvel movie I've seen that they've done uh, as far as the, the more recent initiative uh, that they've done. And uh, it's definitely due to Shane Black's presence. Uh, this is – uh, a very Shane Black superhero movie. Um, he's all over this, down to the Christmas aspects and um, the fact that it turns into a buddy cop movie for most of it. Um, and the the one of the most interesting parts is Robert Downey Jr. is barely in the suit for the most of the movie, which I really thought was awesome. Nice. Um, nice. And yeah, the I didn't like the writing in the in the second movie at all, and. Um, I know a lot of people like the quippiness of the Avengers, but I think this is the the funniest and the the best written superhero, or at least Marvel superhero movie that they've done. It's it's really fucking funny, and uh, and I actually I was getting pretty sick of Danny Jr. in that role, but uh, yeah, he fucking he nails it in this. I loved it. It probably end up on my top thirty. Yeah, you know that's the th- I'm glad I'm really was really happy when they gave Shane Black like uh, you know. This guy basically gave him control when he wrote the script and stuff, and I was I'm glad to hear that because I've been looking forward to it. Uh, because yeah, I, I was uh, really disappointed in part two of Iron Man really badly. It was, it was yeah, awful. me too. Uh, he does some stuff in this that's pretty fucking ballsy uh, across the board. Actually, uh, yeah, I really really fucking dug it. Uh, that's good. and that's it for me. That's good, Large William. We'll see what you sound like here. Okay. <laughs> That answers that question. Uh, Sounds like he's dragging a body through the woods. <laughs> yeah, no. sound amazing. Yeah, yeah. No, you, well, you, it did sound like for a second there you were like dragging, like Aaron said, you were dragging a body through the woods. Uh, Can you hear me now? Yep, you sound good. Yeah. Okay, good, good. <laughs> uh, I switched seats, man. Trying to trying to maneuver here. Um. <laughs> Are you there? And he's gone again. Say this connection is spotty is is uh is uh you know saying something lightly there. Not to put it lightly. Uh. Wow. All right, large William, just move around a little bit more. I'm gonna go ahead and go through what I've been watching while you're moving around. I have a feeling I'll be got, looks like he got dropped. <laughs> yeah, he probably did. Yeah. <laughs> he moved out of range. Oh yeah, he did. There you go. He's gone. Let's 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 try to call him back, shall we? Oops. And then I tried to call him back, and I hung up on him. Uh, it might just be the three of us. Yo, there he is. Is this better? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Boy, it was better than what we had. We didn't have anything there for a few minutes. <laughs> Fuck, man! I'm wandering around outside by the, the trees now. You can hear the crickets. You're gonna hear the, the, the silver and gold, gold fucking the silver and gold. That's yeah. It's like they're fucking uh, backup singers. 
I can hear them. Yeah, they sound good. Crickets sound great. You sound good too. So we're good. We're good to go. What are you doing? Good. I'm gonna fucking record outside and freeze my dick off. It's like <laughs> like 50 degrees here right now. Maybe not even. It's like 45, 8, 48. What have you been watching? Uh, 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 oh boy. Uh, uh, <laughs> here, uh, here we go again. So, oh. Yep, there he goes. Pull my keys away. Gonna hear a jingle, jangle. Are you guys hearing that too? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, All right. you there? Is it? Uh, is it still dodgy? Is uh, it again? Uh, well, now now it's not. It's been dodgy the whole time until now. Okay, it's good or no? It's good right now. Okay, I'm I'm recording in the exact spot I did last year. <laughs> these people see me standing outside at 5 a.m. with two books in my hands reciting from, they're gonna think I'm a fucking lunatic. <laughs> Let me go out on the road. Did you did you carve your initials on the tree last time? <laughs> is did. that how you found the, is that how you found the spot? Yeah, man. <laughs> okay, can you guys hear me? Okay, is it quality decent? Uh yeah well I mean we can hear you. Uh, so I'm far on, I'm like on the shoulder of the fucking road now. <laughs> uh we can hear you. Is it is it, is it shit? No it it it's going in and out. It sounds good and then it'll drag like you saying shit just now. It sounded like it had like five eyes in it. But uh, okay. well, if it if it keeps up, I've moved to what should be a better spot. If it keeps up, I'll just fucking jump ship, man. Yeah, well, it sounds, sounds okay. Good sounds good now, yeah. Okay. Do uh, you want me to roll? Yep, roll. You want to count it down or? Uh, no, just go ahead. Yeah, I know. I've made a note where to edit. Okay. Uh, okay, so my week was uh, was pretty solid, actually. Started the week with a Netflix instant documentary, Miss Navajo, which is about the Miss Navajo beauty pageant. Well, not even beauty pageant. That would be inaccurate. Um, it's the, the pageant where they crown Miss uh, Navajo. And it's pretty fascinating. I think it's the only beauty pageant where they have to shot, shotter, they have to slaughter a sheep oh, um, as part geez. of the contest. It's a pretty fascinating look at at a culture that that's trying to uh, retain its its history, um, and at the same time bring things up, you know, in terms of being able to be modern and get the word out to contemporary youth and and just the Navajo people themselves. But um, it's kind of uh, dull visually. I mean, sounds odd for a documentary, but it feels almost made for TV. But it's still certainly worth a look. Um, it's only an hour long, so there you go. Nice. Uh, next up, I watched um, this one kind of just out of nowhere. William came up with the iPad right when we were starting lunch one day. And I had no interest in watching it just because I was I had a lot of shit to do. But I was hooked, man. It was amazing. It was uh, Superman, Batman, Public Enemies. It's oh, an animated. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've seen that one, yeah. It's fucking outstanding, man. <laughs> I loved it. Like, it's probably my second or third favorite of the animated films I've seen. Wow, nice. Yeah, I really liked it, man. really liked it. It was cool. It was very cool. Um, then I watched uh, a Vice documentary on 3D printing of guns, which is um, pretty interesting, to say the least. Uh, the way things are going from a technology standpoint, it's, it's just shit that I can't even comprehend. Uh, you know, uh, it's like out of a... 
out of a science fiction novel. But it's anyway, it was pretty good. But I've heard it's it's a little bit inaccurate in terms of some of the stuff it presents from a good friend of ours who has a pretty thorough knowledge on the subject. So um, then I did another one. Shoe nice twenty two will eat anything for fame. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So this is uh, this one's pretty sad, actually. This dude uh, comes from a bit of a broken home, which they don't they don't linger on too much to sort of be heavy handed about it. But you you certainly are able to connect the dots with the information they give you. See, guy, he literally he'll eat anything. He'll fucking eat glue. He'll just he'll drink for like anything, man. And uh, yeah, he lost his house and his family, and he thinks he's doing it to save the hungry children in the world, but it's not gonna happen so unfortunately for and despite uh, oh these people aren't wake I'm, I'm waking people up now because <laughs> um, really I'm, I'm on the side of a fucking like country road in my pajamas with a book in my hand <laughs> fuck um, anyway it was, it was interesting it was only short about 30 minutes long uh, then it was movie night with the boys and we did a monster in Paris which is uh, I have to assume it was a pretty big budget uh, French animated film from a, I think maybe a few summers ago because it had Vanessa Paradis and a few other um, bigger names attached. Now this one was dubbed Forrest Whitaker did the voice. It's basically uh, Beauty and the Beast with better musical numbers. Um, it's okay. Nothing special. It's on instant as well. Then I decided to finally see Upstream Color which I think both of you guys have seen on Mill Creeps, yeah? Yeah. 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 It's a uh, it's an interesting film. I, I thought I kind of I knew what it was, and, and then by the end I wasn't so sure anymore. But I think it's an interesting film. I think Caruso, um, someone to keep an eye on. Regardless, I've not seen Primer, but I think that um, with this, I mean, he wrote it, shot it, scored it, acted in it, directed it. I mean, he's really um, someone to watch. So, and it's, it's going to film it. If nothing else, you'll you know be able to you know discuss theory and intent and. And a lot of subtext um, in addition to what you're seeing on the screen. So yeah, definitely a good film. It'll probably be on my top 30, but I didn't love it. I mean, it'll probably be at the back end of my top 30. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Uh, then I watched a film that I had kind of, not really high hopes for, but I, I kind of, my attention was peaked when I'd heard about it, despite being pretty burned out on this, well, very burned out on the subject matter. And that's Neil Jordan's uh, Byzantine, <clears throat> which is about uh, two female vampires. Gemma Ardern and, and um, uh, what's it, Saoirse Ronan, Irish actress, young Irish actress, really good actress. It's a good film, man. It doesn't really focus on a lot of the the traps that a lot of films in the in the genre fall into or the subgenre. Because um, I'm I'm done. I think it's most of us are with vampires, but uh, it's very good. It takes place in like a coastal town. It, it looks like sort of northern England, but I believe it was shot in Cork, Ireland. So they really make good use of their uh, locales. It's it's definitely worth a watch, and it'll. It'll probably be back in my top 30, maybe, honorable mention, but it's definitely worth everyone's time. Yeah. Um, you got a long, the audio sounding. It sounds good. Long, long way to go uh, to to get to the top 30s, but uh, yeah, the, that's interesting. I, I, I was thinking about watching that film, um, but uh, vampires and me, not exactly no, best I'm friends. So, but I'll I'm check with it out. you. What's that? I think I'll check it out. Yeah, no, it's worth a watch. Uh, it does get, fall apart a bit in the last 10 or 15 minutes. It kind of knocks it down maybe half a point for me. Shits the bed a bit, but um, yeah, it's still very good, man. Very good. I've never even heard uh, of and it. And then it I like... finished my... I was just going to say, what? I've never What's even that? heard of it. Is it like on demand or something? Or 
Yeah, it's on demand. Oh, I demand gotcha. it. I got it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's it's out there. It's it's on. Uh, pretty sure it's on. It's on. It's online. But uh, yeah, so there you go. It was good. And my last film was one I was actually. I've been circling around for uh, no pun intended when you hear the title. I've been circling around it for I don't know the better part of three or four, maybe five or six months. It was working the festival circuit. It's a Belgian film, and they've had a pretty good track record with me over the past couple of years. And it's the Broken Circle Breakdown. Um, it's directed by I, the guy who directed The Misfortunates, which made my top 30 a few years ago. Um, it looks at two kind of, I don't know, for lack of a better description, Belgian kind of rockabilly types, like a couple, and they have a daughter, and she's um, she's very ill. And it's, uh, I don't know, I think it, it tries too hard to be, I don't know, uh, indie cute in spots that were actually embarrassing to watch. Um you know, its heart was in the right place, and it looks really nice, but it tries to do the Inaritu, um style of editing, which, if you're not really fucking good at, can be kind of clumsy. Um, worth a watch, but yeah, it, it, it was disappointing as far as um, what I was hoping for. So, yeah, that was my week, other than, of course, the Mate Madness. Oh, okay. Sounds good. It was a good week. Um, I watched a few things over the last couple of weeks. Of course, I've been very busy. Nothing new, but uh, saw a few interesting things. Uh, I want my name back. I thought I saw this is a documentary on Sugar Hill Gang and the Rapper's Delight. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, the film's not well made, and uh, the story's interesting, but the documentary just uh, it. I don't know. It just it kind of bored me, and it shouldn't have bored me because there's a good story behind it. Um, but it is interesting to 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 uh, to hear the story. If you guys don't know it, I'm not going to ruin it for you. Um, definitely check it out. Uh, it's on Netflix Instant, by the way. Um, welcome to the Punch, which I don't I don't believe I talked about these last time I was on the show. So it's been two weeks, so I don't really know. But I'm just re- it's only a couple films anyway. Uh, this is definitely a very good film. Uh, I liked it a lot. I was really surprised by this one. I thought it was just going to be kind of like a standard. Uh, British crime movie, and uh, it is in a lot of ways, but it's so well acted. And uh, Mark Str- did I think I did talk about these, didn't I? You talked about this one, but you didn't talk about the Sugar Hill Gang one. Oh, there we go. Re- can't remember. Well, anyway, we'll move on from Welcome to the Punch. Uh, the Number Station. I watched this one. This is a random watch. Uh, somebody was watching it. I can't remember who. I was at somebody's house, and it was on Netflix. And it's a John Cusack, uh, Malin, uh, how do you say his name? Malin Ackerman? Malin Ackerman, Malin, 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 potato, potato. Um, a film that looks like it looks like the director and the writers and the producers they had a they found a location. It's one of those type of movies. They found like a location. They decided to write a film around it, <laughs> and that's what it feels like. It's uh, it, it's 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 well acted for what it is. Uh, Kusak and Ackerman are both good in it, uh, and the heavy's not really that great. But uh, you know, it's it, it's not a good movie. I would avoid it at all cost. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's not the actor's fault. Just a kind of a boring movie. Um, and then I watched uh, Miami Deville Horror, which is also on Netflix. Instant Watch. It popped up on there recently. Now this is a oh. a documentary uh, with Daniel Lutz, one of the uh, Lutz children, and uh, he's a he's a fucking character, man. It's worth watching just for this dude alone. Uh, you know, he's one of these Long Island types, uh, not to make fun of, uh, that era or those, those people, but I mean, he's definitely, you can tell immediately he's one of those guys. 
And uh, but he's really he's really cool. And I didn't. Uh, no, well, I mean, when I say he's really cool, I mean you can tell this guy's like into like old metal and stuff. He plays guitar throughout the documentary, and he's shredding like <laughs> nice. crazy, you know. And he just he's just he's he's out of control. And uh, it's just really interesting stuff, you know, to to talk about because you know I have my theories on ghosts and possessions and stuff like that. As in, I don't believe in any of it. Um, <laughs> but it's always interesting to me that. Uh, you know that this happens to people or at least they think this happens to them or whatever but uh, it sounds to me like if you watch the documentary it sounds to me like ghosts were the least of uh the lutz's problems yeah so there's that it's definitely worth a watch i liked it quite a bit i know some people haven't liked it that much but it's actually probably my favorite amityville related film outside of the first two <laughs> uh, even though i do like some of the other amityville films because they're a bit trashy especially, especially part two with a little uh Dick. Part two is doesn't they have a what's it called Burt Young in it? Well, it's also directed by Damiano and Damiani, which is so bizarre. I know it is. Oh, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of those bizarre ones, like you know, <laughs> square peg meet round hole. Yeah, yeah, very strange. It's got some incest in it though, so I guess there's uh, that going for it. There's that. I'm in. I'm in. Yes. <laughs> All right, so we're going to take a short break. Sounds like our audio problems are slightly fixed. Uh, Will's trekking through the uh, Canadian wilderness. I am. Can you hear that? That's flip-flop on fucking gravel, yo. (laughs) Wow. That definitely is a Canadian hiker. (laughs) You sure you aren't on the West Coast, bro? I know. (laughs) Flip-flopping through gravel. Yeah, man. All right. uh, That was my son calls him. I got him calling him Flippy Floppies. All right, uh, we're going to take a short break, come back and talk about, uh, well, Strike Commando 1. That's easy enough to pick. We'll be back right after this. One, two, three, cuatro. Bomboleo. What's up, my noogies? This is Michael Ravenshadow from the Trick or Treat Radio podcast. All right, I'm here to talk to you about my buddies, the Mill Creeps. I don't care if you live in Hawaii or the great state of Canada. Let me tell you something. Podcasts are the same all over the world except for the Mill Creeps. So listen, why don't you download the Mill Creeps show but listen turn the fans on all right so what you do put your fans on turn the hot pockets on the microwave turn it up to high and download the mill creeps okay maybe get your boys over the house maybe you can help you paint the deck maybe you can just paint each other you know it's crazy it's sleazy it's uh, a little bit scary and uh just do that so uh that's what i'm doing what am i doing i'm putting dmx right on right now and i'm gonna listen to uh some mill creeps download the mill creeps on itunes Stitcher Radio or milkcreeps.libsyn.com Everybody, welcome back. A song that probably has nothing to do with these films, but uh, at least has the word "commando" in it. So there we go. All right. Um, so our first film of this uh, little pair, this uh, sack of testy, so to speak, is "Strike Commando," nineteen eighty-seven. 
Uh, I don't know if it has an alternate title or not. Uh, definitely a lot. Oh of, yeah, it does. It definitely has a lot of alternate names in it. A little Vincent, a little Vincent Don for you guys. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. I'm looking at some of the alternate titles right now. Yeah, Cobra Force from West Germany. I like that one. That's pr- that's pretty amazing. Yeah, Cobra Commando from Italy. So that's pretty good. Isn't that with two Ks? Yeah. Or, no. Yeah. Well, no. Well, it should be, but. <laughs> the Greek one is Commando o Exolatheftest. I don't know how you say that word, man. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking forget about it. <laughs> oh, Fuck, man. We've been doing it all wrong, doing Italian films. We've got to do more Greek films on the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. Just so I can be fucking mushmouthed all over the place. <laughs> all right, so this film is uh, directed by one Bruno Mattei. Who... Or Vincent Dunn. Yeah, Vincent Dunn. <laughs> Has he? Have we ever done a Matei film? Yeah, we did Deadly Eyes. Oh, that was was that was that Matei or was that Fergasso? That was Matei. Okay, I couldn't remember. Was it Deadly thought, Eyes, the rat one with uh, with. Um, I thought the one Matei did was just called Rats. Oh, maybe you're right. Yeah, but I was, Rats I think Night of Terror. Yeah, Rats Night of Terror. I think, but I don't think we've ever done Matei. I think Mill Creeps had. What's the one with the, the Dashins in the in the the costumes? Because we covered it with Roop. That's Deadly Eyes, right? Yeah. Yeah, there we go. Oh, fuck. And maybe we haven't. How, how have we not had <laughs> the great Bruno you know, Matei on the show? You guys have done Matei, right? Am I right, uh, Aaron? Chris? Uh, negative. No. Wow. Wow. Oh, These okay. are only you, my you, you, second and third second and third Matei films. That's right. You guys did D'Amato. You guys have been yes. doing some D'Amato. Yeah, there we, we go. did D'Amato. There we go. Which I don't think we we've ever done. I don't think we've ever done D'Amato. Beating. Yeah. The pew beating, yes. <laughs> the uh, Aaron's uh, favorite. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. Well, anyway, so this film is directed by one Bruno Mattei, aka Vincent Don, uh, also written by Claudio Fergasso and Bruno yeah, both Mattei. Are today. Yeah, yeah, a little Claudio on the show. I know we haven't done anything with Claudio really. So, no. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Mister Mister Fergasso, he's uh, the director of Troll Two and yeah. some other interesting cinema, to say the least. And the star of best worst movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, lizard man, a guy that's completely out of his mind. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, uh, so this is uh, yeah, this has been talked about forever. So who wants to lead on this thing? Uh, you know, obviously I'll defer to the guest. Uh, whoever wants to go, I'm. Uh, <clears throat> My notes are. Sorry. My notes are very anecdotal, so I might not be the best to. Uh, well, take so a lead so on. is this film. I mean, you know. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, like Chris, I'm kind of a Matei noob. I've seen a, a couple, so I wouldn't really feel uh, you know comfortable taking the lead. But well, I can yeah, synopsize I'm, for you. So, <laughs> okay, I'll put my headband on and I'll I'll scream with it. <laughs> what, what, what? What? I can give you. A, you want to? I'll let you synopsize, Aaron. Go ahead. Uh, while operating behind enemy lines, Sergeant Mike Ransom learns of a Russian presence in North Vietnam. In order to obtain proof of this discovery, Ransom returns to enemy territory but is captured and subjected to a variety of tortures. <laughs> Eventually, he escapes to continue his mission despite being hampered by a traitor in his own ranks. <laughs> wow. Written by That was written by Dinky4 of Minneapolis. <laughs> nice. Thank you. Thanks, Dinky. Dinky, Pre- coming correct. Appreciate that. By Russian presence, they mean uh, one character, right? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> Yeah. Really but not. he's a strong Russian presence. He is. Yeah, he's the Russian presence. Yeah. He's the Russian presence. Alex, what a fucking melon on him. Yeah, Alex Vitali, who I believe is the, uh, I might be wrong about this, but he might be the Bronx executioner. Yeah. 
the actual if you guys have never seen the cover of the bronx executioner uh dvd or, or vhs you you really owe it to yourself to look that up but uh he might be that i'm not positive but uh he might be the not positive he played a character named dakar in bronx executioner i'm thinking that might be it he was also on robot jocks and uh <clears throat> a couple other <laughs> he was in hands of steel evidently but i don't remember him so seems like i would have recalled that huh I yeah. remember him in that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because the guy's got a presence, right? I mean, you know, he's even though he oh, does, for sure. he does sound in this film. He does sound like fucking uh, Boris from Boris and Natasha. Let go, that pussy cat. Oh, did I lose Will again already, man? Yeah. So. <laughs> Fuck's sake. I'm looking at the Bronx Executioner, and yeah, that looks like him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's great uh, okay. silver makeup. Okay, go ahead, Will. Sorry, guys. Uh, yeah, so this is the first time it's been 246 episodes since Christopher Connolly has been on our show. Wow, really? Oh, wow. Yeah, Raiders and, of Atlantis. And you guys just talked about Connolly not too long ago, uh, Aaron and Chris, because uh, I think he only made one film after this, I believe, and uh, he was really sick by that point. Yeah, he yeah, was. Yeah, Night of the Sharks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's too bad. Um, and is this our? This isn't our. First, no, no, we did your. We did your. Okay, but Reb hasn't been as well represented as uh, you would think he would be well, we on did, our show. Yeah, we did that one with him and uh, Steve James as well. At, Was uh, it him and Steve James? I think it was him and Steve James, right? Oh yeah, Street Hunter. Steve, <laughs> yeah, where Steve James has the fucking leather duster on. Yeah, <laughs> Look, he looks like he's going to an Eagles concert. <laughs> <laughs> he was in the Howling too, as well. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Aaron was on for that's a little. Right, yeah, Aaron's back for some yeah. Reb love. That's right, yeah. man. That's the only yeah, Reb Aaron's film cool. I've seen before this. Oh really? Yeah, Howling oh, too. My God, yeah. amazing. Yeah. Oh man, now I got dogs in the background with the crickets. <laughs> um, God bless Japanese VHS. Yes, because. Films that we pleasure of viewing and reviewing uh, are all sourced from Japanese VHS. Yes, they are. I'm sure everybody so. watched this uh, probably had Japanese subtitles, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. So yeah, it's, uh, it's <laughs> nice to see. No, you, you sound fine, Will. You're doing good. Okay. You're. Just I mean, credit. you're always doing good, but I'm saying the sound quality's good. <laughs> <laughs> good job, good job, good job, yeah, man. I, I, I need a little virtual pat on the ass. <laughs> yeah. Hey guys, um, I checked. I checked the blog real quick, and uh, you guys have done one Bruno Mattei film, uh, Libido Mania. Oh yeah, that's right. We did do Libido Mania back on uh, 139. Fuck's sake, that's a that's forever ago. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I remember Libido Mania. It is. <laughs> I gave that DVD to oh, I gave that DVD yeah, to yeah, Phil. Yeah, it's like bisected. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think there's bisected cock and tranny cock in that one. Yeah, yeah. There was something something <laughs> to do with cocks. Yes. Yeah. Outstanding. So if I uh, if I start to um, cut out, then cut in. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's nice to have Matan. So anyway, I, I got to cut to the chase because we're in case we have dropped audio and a lot of people to talk here. So one of the most racist lines uh, I think in the history of cinema. <laughs> cinema. That's a, that's a tall order to to say, but a pretty overtly racist line in the beginning of the film when oh, one, of the, uh, African, one of the African American <laughs> members of the strike commando says, "When I used to steal watermelon in 
Alabama. I used to climb fences. Not oh. Climb. oh my God! I was, I, my note is have to. yeah. My note was that in quotations, and then seriously right after. Oh, audio, <laughs> awful. Um, but yeah, we as always is the case with Bruno. He does keep his foot on the gas. He keeps his uh, Scarpino to the gas. Yeah, and uh, he fucking has Reb throwing knives within three minutes. Oh yeah. Which is always good. And then, of course, two minutes after that, he doesn't miss a beat. He gets the crossbow to the tower. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dude's driving to the tower. It's five minutes in. I have to think that if I'm, you know, these guys got to know, man. If you're going to be guarding a jungle base or, or you're in the desert, don't be in the tower, man. Yeah. yeah it's just a bad move. Especially a in the... Bad move. Yeah. Well, my note is, you know, if you're in a tower and you're in the Philippines, you're fucked. You're fucked. <laughs> In these movies, they they blow up like more towers than than. Well, I mean, Rambo two probably blows up the most towers in in cinematic history. But man, these guys their their tower ratio is definitely pretty close. Yeah. Oh, it's these the huts that explode. Yeah, there's a lot of exploding huts, man. It's yeah. insane. Massive explosions. But yeah, I mean, you just gotta know if you're in the Philippines and you're in a tower. I mean, you're screwed, man. Cinema yeah, tells us you that. Are. It just does. stay out of buildings with grass roofs in general. <laughs> yes, yes, that's right, right man. <laughs> We've been dipped in gasoline, <laughs> soaked in gasoline. Um, to keep the count going, in under seven minutes, we've already got the knife throw, the crossbow, and we. I wish I could do it, but I don't want to wake anyone up and getting shit. We get our first reb yell. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What's great about the reb yells in this film is sometimes the way he throws consonants together when he yells. It's it's pretty outstanding. Nice. Like you get a lot of like just Y M's and G's thrown just mashed together in his yelling. <laughs> yeah, he's a great yeller. He kind of sounds like Ryan Gosling when he yells. Yeah, yeah, he does. <laughs> he totally does. Got the dress. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he's he's got this weird yeah he's got this weird shrill type nature oh, yeah. to his yell that's very strange. <laughs> yeah, but I like that. Take very off the dress. Banshee. That's good. Take it off. <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit! Um, I love uh, I love how like just overtly scummy they make Conley when they're, the 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 rest of the team catches the play as to what's happening because it's you know it's a double cross yeah and he says uh, the mission major above all the mission <laughs> yeah he's such a dirty motherfucker in this film it's, uh, it's pretty amazing. for apparently no reason either like, he, he's so into the idea of killing off his own guys. Like, yeah, he loves it. He's just there's relishing no being a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's no um, gold bullion or <laughs> no. He's just a, know, a dirty anything bitch. else. It's just <laughs> yeah, yeah. He well, is man. What, what I gathered is. is that he wanted to take down the Russians, but he wanted, as the officer in charge of the the operation or whatever, he's the one who wanted to take credit for it and get the glory, and have his grunt guys do the work. That's why he left uh, Ransom for Dead. You know what I mean? Yeah, one man army. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what's great too is whoever I can't remember who scored this film, but there's a great moment where if there was a Nintendo game about um, a man like a, about an Asian cowboy fusion blues jazz bar, <laughs> then it would be the music from this because there's like this Asiany kind of bluesy jazz bar music. It's really bizarre. Um, the supposedly the music is done by Luigi. Checker, Checkerelli, Checkerelli, something like that. 
Chicharelli, maybe. Chicharelli. Chicharelli, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Nice. But uh, with all the Matei films, you always have to be a little suspect that he may have ripped it off from somewhere else. There's definitely some. Uh, <laughs> in the next film, there's definitely some uh, John Williams, Indiana Jones S <sighs> yeah. type stuff yeah. going on. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. So. You know, you always have to be suspect of that. So I don't, I don't know. Well, that's one of the uh, yeah. kind of tropes with Matei oh, films totally, is that he totally. likes to, he, yeah. So go ahead, Will. Sorry. Yeah, he's one step away from Turkish Turkish uh, film scoring. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Which is great, man. There's fucking mosquitoes everywhere. I'm fucking going up the wall here. Um, <laughs> to talk about Reb for a moment, this is the kind of role that Reb was born to play like reb has that look as you know as does brent huff but reb really has the look i mean he's like the brawny all-american and yeah. you know it's a big chin and jaw and stuff and the blonde hair it's just you can see like the italian like the studio just think, you know, who can we get and just reb's it i mean reb is you know a prototype for this kind of role so it's really uh it's really fantastic yeah um he's so much bigger than so many people in this film Oh, he is. It's like, it's like, yeah, it's, he's humongous. It's bizarre because like, there's one scene where he pops up with a beret. A lot of berets in this film, by the way. Yeah. Uh, he pops up in a beret and they're like looking at a map and he's like at least a foot taller than anybody else standing by that map. Yeah. I think. At least that's yeah. what it looked like well, to me. <clears throat> well, yeah. he's surrounded by Filipinos. So. <laughs> well, and I, I know a lot of Filipino Filipinos children too. No, that's short. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's they, true. They tend to be short. This is true. Um, the I love the one the French dude in this. He's like the uh, like the Italian or he's like the, the Italian sort of Peter Lorre Van Heflin love child. Oh yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's Luciano Pigazzi, man. Uh, the one that's always oh, in. Oh uh, yeah, that's right, yeah. man. Fuck, I meant I knew I recognized them. I recognized them Whoa. from the. Yeah, plays fun. a character named Ledoux. I have to look him up. But uh, yeah, that's uh, he's yeah. always in the Margaretti films. So yeah, you, he looked we, like a grizzled old uh, Michael Shannon to me. Maybe it's just his <laughs> eyes. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's got the, he's got the uh, Peter Laurie, the Michael Shannon. He's got a little bit of the Jack Elams to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah a little yeah, bit. That's what I thought of. A little yeah. bit. Yeah, so he's got a little bit of all that going. But yeah, I've always whenever anybody always mentions him, they always say the Peter Laurie thing, and, and that's what he's kind of known for is this kind of Peter Laurie Italian character actor. He looks like a Luciano Pigazzo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, Pig- or, or Pigazzi, which is his real name. So. Uh, uh, Pigazzi. I thought it was Pigazzo. <laughs> Either way, he doesn't look French. <laughs> I, I don't know what, no, that, I don't know what that means. At all. Um, <laughs> we uh, we get the, the Disney's. It doesn't. Uh, go ahead, Will. Unless you just dropped out. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I guess he dropped out. Okay, well, just to kind of chime in, um, like Chris, I, I've never, I've had, I haven't seen uh, a lot of Reb mm-hmm. before this, um, but based on this this movie alone, and you kind of saw a little bit of this with Howling Two as well. I think he's gonna be, like as I explore his work, but I don't think he's gonna top this as far as like intensity. Uh, I hope I come across something that does, but just based on this alone, like he's one of my favorite intense actors because. Uh, there's the phrase, you know, zero to 60, and uh, his 60 <laughs> is just always amazing in this. Yeah. Like, from his facial expressions to his voice. Yeah. Uh, he's, uh, he's quite the spectacle in this, that's for sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. He yeah, he screams everything. Yeah. Yeah, he's... Now, 
right. There he is. He's back. The uh, the thing is about Red Brown, for me, my childhood and Red Brown are tied together because Red Brown was the first like Captain America, like the first realized version of Captain America. And you can totally see it if you look at him. He looks like the comic book version of Captain America. That's right. And uh, there's some TV films out there, out and about, uh, with him so as Cap. Was he, was, was he Cap in the, the um, fuck, who directed those movies? Or what, was there like a Captain America before that? Uh, there was a Captain America before the Pion film. Yeah, it was Pion. Yeah, Pion. Yeah, okay. Uh, that Pion film was done, uh, that was one of J.D. Salinger's kids. Corman. Yeah, yeah. But that was one of uh, Salinger's uh, children. Matt Salinger, uh-huh. I believe is the name. Uh, playing Captain America. But... Uh, the, the, there was these TV films in the seventies, I believe, and so uh, I was. Who, who was the, the, did Corman finance it? Which one, the Pion film? I think you're thinking of Fantastic Four. Yeah, well, Cor- unless those are all part of the same thing. Yeah, no, Cap, uh, your Corman did finance the uh, Fantastic Four uh, that they they, they they tried to hide, mm-hmm. but in 1979 there was a TV movie directed by Rod Holcomb. Um, with Red Brown in it. And that's the one I'm talking about. And, uh, oh, nice. Yeah, if you look it up and stuff. But I, it's not a great film, but when I was a kid, I thought it was like the shit, you know, because I wanted comic book films when I was a kid. I was a comic book kid, mm. and I wanted comic book films. And, man, I, I couldn't think of anybody more Captain America than Red Brown. Yeah. Even though the costume's pretty... pretty. <laughs> Is that the one with the rubbery ears on it? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Are you there, Will? dragging that body again <laughs> he's doing something but it, i think more no no the uh, captain america costume that uh <laughs> that uh, red brown wears mostly has a helmet they couldn't do the i guess they couldn't get the cowl right so they just gave him a motorcycle helmet oh yeah and pasted some ears on it <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty amazing do a, if you guys get a computer from you do a google google image search it's pretty amazing mm. give it a gander <laughs> <clears throat> Looks like Will got dropped again, so I'll go ahead and uh, go over some of my notes here. Yes, way to go. Um, so we already talked about the racist uh, black guy dialogue. Uh, lots of establishing shots in the opening credits, and uh, I have to think, you know, one of the coolest things about making a low-budget movie um, in an exotic location, you know, whether it's Philippines or whatever, has to be going around and, like, doing a lot of the second unit stuff and, like, filming random shit for, like, you know, padding or establishing shots and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, it's also uh, cool to see that uh, Matei and his crew, you know, got the most out of their trip and just filmed whatever they could. So we yeah. see a lot of that on our show with uh, <clears throat> Andy Sidaris and his, and his films. So Yeah, yeah. Good point. Yeah, Matei, uh, he hung out in uh, the Philippines quite a bit. The majority of his uh, film catalog, I would say, was probably Philip- shot in the Philippines. Uh, been- what? what was that? Somewhere. <laughs> can you hear me yeah a little bit yeah you can hear me okay yeah now we can well we could i'm driving man i'm gonna try to get somewhere (laughs) oh you're gonna go somewhere (laughs) i'm on the move (laughs) he's on the move (laughs) what you do for podcasting just leave everybody okay i'll call you back this is the most uh suitably action-packed podcast (laughs) (laughs) it is He's going to start uh, screaming about the connection here in a minute. So uh, aside from being a scumbag, uh, Christopher Connolly is a sweaty motherfucker in this, man. (laughs) Jesus Christ. He was soaked. (laughs) I got hot just watching him. Yeah. He was was shiny, man. (laughs) 
he's always kind of sweaty though. If you think like when I think about all the movies I've seen him in, he's always pretty wet. Yeah, like his he, hair is always really moist looking. Well, you know those Italian those Italian productions, man. I don't think there's a lot of air conditioning, and it just seems like. <laughs> uh, you know, they're shooting in exotic locales. It's cheap. Everybody's sweating their balls off. Yeah, they might have some fans on the side, but, uh, yeah, they're they're trying to save money. They can't be, you know, cranking that AC up. <laughs> yeah, no trailers or anything, man. Forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we get a female uh, Vietnamese villager played by Karen Lopez. <laughs> yeah. um, <clears throat> so, uh, the actually, I'll, I'll say this. I'm sure we're going to talk about this later when Will comes back. Uh, the relationship between Reb and uh, his little Vietnamese kid. Uh, <clears throat> we get a torture montage in this, which is uh, pretty awesome because I don't think I've ever seen a torture montage. Yeah, it's pretty. <laughs> Although I got to admit, you know, for Mate, it, it, it's really kind of a tame film as far as the violence goes. Mm. Um, because, you know, you kind of expect from Italian directors and Italian. Uh, genre film like this you kind of expect um okay well okay <laughs> uh you kind of expect the uh gore or the violence to um you know just kind of be amped up a little bit i think mm-hmm. and yeah i, I never really felt that with either one of these films okay <laughs> is will back i say there you go there he is you there okay Okay, keep going, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, because uh, just to touch on what you're saying about the gore and stuff, like prior to this, I had seen uh, Hell of the Living Dead and uh, a Nazi exploitation movie he did called uh, SS Girls, both of which are you know either really violent and disgusting or just super sleazy. So um, yeah. <clears throat> going into this, I was expecting at the very least like you know some some gore, some people getting their heads cut off or disemboweled or something, and uh. Towards the end, I, I reached the point where I was kind of disappointed at the lack of, you know, gore and stuff. But uh, I spoke too soon because uh, we got a, I don't want to say who, but uh, we got an awesome man explosion at the end. So <laughs> that kind of that kind of made up for it. Yeah, that does help a little bit. Yes. And uh, just to get back to the torture montage, um, it's not often you see people these days in movies being electrocuted against chicken wire. <laughs> that's like that's like one of those old torture things uh, I miss seeing in movies and. Uh, there's something similar to that too in uh, Strike Commando too. When um, Ransom, he's uh, kind of chained up, you know, and he's ha- he's hanging there. It's like a, a throwback to like, uh, well, not a throwback, but you know, similar to uh, Lethal Weapon with uh, old Mel getting tortured. So yeah, 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 the, the, yeah. I forgot about the. Uh, it is similar to that. You're right. Mm-hmm. Both films have some similarities to the Lethal Weapon films, among other films. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, for for a, a chunk of this movie, uh, Reb Brown, his character is being kept prisoner by the Russians, and uh, Reb, you know, like every prisoner, keeps track of how long he's in prison, and uh, he's got an interesting Roman numeral technique in this. Like most people go by fives, but he goes by sevens. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, good point. I don't know if you guys noticed that. I did notice that, but I didn't make a note of it. <laughs> um. So uh, we get a, I assume she's a, a Russian chick uh, who's kind of paired up with uh, Jakota, the heavy of this film. And uh, one of my notes was, if this Russian chick never talks, like, I'd be okay with that. Because at first, all she does is, like, stare at Reb Brown. <laughs> uh, but she does it really well. Like, she gets a lot of reaction shots in this. Like, it just cuts to her, like, 
kind of staring, you know. <laughs> Looks like she's kind of undressing uh, all red with her eyes. Yeah, well, weren't we all? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I was in, I was undressing both of them with my eyes. So yes. I was in uh, I was in I was in heaven, you know, best of both worlds there. But uh, yeah, I really liked her a lot. I liked her presence in the film. I liked her character, and um, she has great eyes too. I think uh, Fulci would have loved her. Yeah, yeah, she's very Fulci esque in a way. Yeah. Bella, you have beautiful eyes. I want to stab a splinter into them. Yes. Yes. Um, I'm sure we'll talk a, a bunch about Jakota uh, when we get Will back on, if we get him back on. But yeah. for now, I'll say that there's a, there's, there's a scene where he drinks some water and spits it out after a grueling push-up session. And for a second there, I thought he spit it like in the face of the Russian chick because she was right off camera. Yeah. I'm going to give you guys a, uh, the listeners who don't know, I'm going to give them a sample of a little Jakota talking. Hang on. Let me see. Well, hang on. Let me see if I can get it going here. Uh, while you're, go ahead. Keep talking here. I'm trying um, to work it out here. Whoa, that was an explosion from Strike Commando. <laughs> trying to find it. This might be it right here. Hang on. Here you go. Come on. Get up and see what you can do with your fists. <laughs> Just me and you, pussycat. Yeah. <laughs> Just me and you, pussycat. And old Jakota, the old Russian heel. <laughs> up to no good. Yeah. I love Jakota in this film. The, the, if I had one thing I that I wish there was more of, I wish there was more Jakota in the movie, actually. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I don't feel like he's used enough. I mean, like, he's this great character who's got this great look and... You know he's ridiculous in so many ways, and uh, you know he, he <laughs> at some point he, he he even has new teeth put in and all kinds of craziness. I don't know what the hell's going on there. I don't know what the point of that is, but yeah. Uh, if like the last forty-five minutes of this was just Rep Brown and Jakota like trying to out overact each other and fight, like I would have been totally cool with that. Yeah, I mean, if anything, probably the you know one of the strengths of the film, at least for me, is, is that it builds itself to this confrontation. Mm-hmm. And the confrontation doesn't really let you down. No, no, it's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> it's kind of like the confrontation between Zadar and uh, what's his name and Samurai Cop. You know, you're building it up to. The, I don't know if you guys have seen that. I'm pretty sure one of you has seen it at least. I hope. Yes. But uh, you know, you're building Samurai Cop. No, I haven't seen it. You no, know, you got to check that oh, out. Lord. You got to check yeah. that out. But uh, the uh, you know building to the climactic battle like that. If it, it can always it can be a letdown sometimes, but I think in this case it's it's great. You know, just the it's almost like a Looney Tunes fight. Unfor- well, fortunately, I think I could say unfortunately, but I think it's pretty fortunate actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I think that's a plus for sure. Uh, Reb has some great reactions in this, like to just everybody, and like he has some great lines. Like there's a scene where uh, during the torture montage, when like people are just beating him with sticks, and he's like, "Son of a bitch." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and then there's a scene where uh, a Vietnamese uh, soldier, or whatever, jumps out of the grass and makes some weird noise like, <laughs> and uh, Reb just fucking nails him with the butt of his uh, his machine gun. He's like, Jesus, you scared the shit out of me. <laughs> well, Reb, get the, speaking of montages, he gets a great like stealth kill montage. Yeah, uh, when they first run across the. The first group of, uh, I guess, Russians. When he first comes across Jakota, he's he's popping out from behind trees. He's got like the whole leaf suit on for like two seconds. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I, love, yeah, the, I love the oh, uh, the budget saving of uh, the floating down the river by just using like a, a couple of mounds of leaves. <laughs> Very genius yeah. in the taste part, you know, just throw some leaves in there, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody keeps looking at the leaves. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, the, the inevitable showdown between Ransom and Jakota is amazing. Uh, speaking of which, it sounds like a law firm, like the law offices of Ransom and Jakota. That's awesome. <laughs> yes. I would definitely go there if I had any legal issues. <laughs> Yes. Well, the name Michael Sergeant Michael Ransom is 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 just a great character name anyway. Just yeah, it's yeah. great. It's one of those names where you want to hear the bad guy say it. You want to hear him say Ransom. You yeah, know, you want to hear that. So I love. Yeah, that. that's just that's just one of those great uh, you know action movie names. I, that's what I love about like eighties and nineties action movies is like you know seeing the character name because uh, a lot of them are just like so. You know, it's like they t- it's like they picked uh, a name out of the phone book and like drew a like a an adjective or a noun or something out of a hat and like put them together. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like you were saying, uh, Sammy, this uh, this showdown is uh, you know very cartoonish, not your typical fight scene. <laughs> uh, really dirty, lots of clawing and scratching and gouging. Uh, and while watching it, I thought Roddy Piper and Keith David would be proud of this. Yeah. Yes. Dirty, dirty, dirty. Um, and then, of course, we get the awesome uh, running double ram headbutt, <laughs> which yes. was like I had to just rewind it and watch it again just because of, you know, the pure uh, awesomeness of that spectacle. Yeah. It was, uh, it's one of those amazing. moments, right? It's one of those uh, Italian cinema moments. Yeah, exactly. It reminded special. me of uh, the handshake in Predator. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is a little bit like that, yes. <laughs> not quite as homoerotic as that handshake in Predator. No, but. no, definitely not. <laughs> yeah, Easily um, the most homoerotic handshake ever put on celluloid is that Predator handshake. Dylan, yeah. you son of a bitch. We talk a lot about uh, freeze frame endings on our show because, uh, well, the movies we watch have you know lots of freeze frames or freeze frame endings and uh I think that double headbutt, like a freeze frame of that, would be like you know the perfect. Uh, oh yeah, I perfect agree. way to the perfect bow to wrap up a present like this. Um, <laughs> so at one point, I won't say who, but uh, you guys don't do spoilers. But uh, Reb punches someone off the top of a waterfall, and like I didn't even know there was a fucking waterfall there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, what the like? Yeah. Did he just like carry that person and drop yeah. them off or? What? One of my favorite things about this film is listening to Dakota say Americanski. I had to rewind it like four times to understand what he was saying. Yeah. And Which, I love the scream that Reb, like the, the, the triumphant scream that he lets out after yeah. that. Yeah. Mm. All the screams are great. They got a little bit of reverb on them, you know, a little yeah. bit of sound effect. You know, you kind of heard it in the intro. And, but yeah, they're pretty great. They get this like shrill, like we said earlier, this Brian Gosling. Yes, for those who want a relative scream if you've seen uh brian gosling scream then that pretty much nails <laughs> i i really hope brian gosling in the back end of his career that uh exploitation cinema from italy comes back and gosling ends up in it i really do oh my god <laughs> speaking of screams we get an awesome scream from beyond the grave <laughs> <laughs> we do <laughs> yeah. oh geez but um yeah, that's that's pretty much all I got. So I really, I was really shocked by how much I love this movie because I I gotta say the first, um, you know, 
the first, uh, I guess, half of it mm-hmm. was kind of disappointing to an extent, but like the second half just goes really fucking overboard in a good way. And uh, it ended up being, you know, in the second half, the type of movie I was expecting going into this. Not necessarily like, you know, because of the violence, but just because of like the the over the top, you know, just absurd nature of it. So, right, yeah, I I think you bring up a good point though. I think you know we we were known to say that a film sags a little bit sometimes in the middle. This one doesn't really so mm. much as sag, but there's just both these films suffer from exposition scenes with subpar actors. Uh, in some spots, yeah. and uh, it can be a little brutal if you're not in the mood for that. <laughs> uh, you know, a lot of exposition, a lot of uh, narrative being spoken, and, uh, you know, you're just kind of wanting to get into the Jakota, you know, ransom fight scene. You're wanting to get to the the conflict, and I think that uh, that's some of the weaknesses of this film. Now, of mm. course, others would probably say there's a lot more weaknesses, but uh, <laughs> it's a bit of a gem with some of the other stuff going on. I'm mean, Not to say that all the dialogue scenes are bad. I mean, none of us have talked about the, uh, the Disneyland uh, speech yet. I think there's two yeah. of them, actually. But Yeah. Yeah, but I'll uh, turn over to Chris here. We're still trying to get a hold of Will. He's still uh, traveling through the Canadian wilderness. We don't know if he's maybe gotten lost. Hopefully not attacked by a bear. Hopefully not. <laughs> yeah. um, so Will made a comment about that opening racist line. I liked that character's headband. Yeah. Um, he's He's got that thing knotted at like the, the front side of his forehead. <laughs> So it's like hanging down on his cheek, and there's a lot of fabric hanging there too. Like, <laughs> it is not a it's not a well placed uh, knot, to say the least. Yeah, it's like a uh, it's almost like a '80s painter's cap or something. I don't know what that guy's got going on. It's very strange too. I've always thought the red headband's a bit of an oddity in these movies. Seems like that would draw attention as opposed to hiding you in the woods uh, in the jungle, right? Well, it doesn't really matter for him because he's just basically a radio guy anyways. Yeah, he's he's all true. geared up for combat, but he's chilling out on the radio the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Will commented on the music. I, the opening title music in particular I really liked. Uh, he, he, he hit it on the head. It sounds like video game music. It does. Like an old MIDI video game music, and uh, I really liked it. Yeah. Um, it's Akari Warriors. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um <laughs> This there's not a lot of character establishment in the, in this movie or or the other one and uh, you know Ransom's the main character in both of these but you, you never really get any background on him there's there's only really two defining characteristics that he has and that he screams a lot and uh, that he seems to love just randomly running places with an M60 and just spraying fucking bullets. Like just, just like those long fucking bullet clips. He's just laying them out into everything. He'll walk into a room. He'll spray it. He'll spray it at random huts. Like yeah. a lot of times screaming and spraying that M60. <laughs> he loves that thing. What I love about the gunfire in this movie is uh, it's one of those great things where there's gunfire. There's like gunfire on the soundtrack, but there's no bullets coming out of the gun sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's 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 really awesome. Sometimes they're just running around, they're just moving the gun back and forth. There's no obvious explosions coming out of the tip of that gun, but there's you just keep hearing the noises, you know. Um and yeah, this like I said, this is the I've actually seen um I think I've seen that uh Captain America movie uh when I was a kid, but oh, yeah, I can't yeah. quite remember. Mm-hmm. Uh but as far as the recent viewings, I've only ever seen him in uh Howling Two. But uh Reb Brown is uh he's got a strange quality to him because he's not he's he's kind of a dopey guy like he's not yeah. a 
you know, he's he's not exactly the the best actor, but he's got like a really earnest, endearing quality to him. Yeah, um, I think more so than uh, than Huff. Um, uh, yeah, I was Huff, little, we'll get to that later. But I was yeah. a little disappointed that he didn't return. Yeah, Huff feels a little bit like the sleazy. Uh, well, I'll, I'll say something about Huff on the when I, we do we do the next film, but uh, he he just he's got a sleazier feel for me or something. I don't know or something. Yeah. Yeah, there's just something genuine about Reb. Yeah. Uh, this, I, I mean, like that crying scene, like he he's giving her there. Like he's not yeah. great as an actor, <laughs> yeah. but when when it comes to emoting, whether it be screaming or crying, he can pull that off. Yeah, yeah. No, he. I mean, he's he's giving it his all, and everything I've ever seen Reb Brown in, he's always kind of giving it his all, and he does have this. Yeah. He this blonde hair, blue eye, American quality that is just it's pretty genuine and it, that's it, a great word that you used because it just there is this likability to red brown that's uh you know he must have grown up like on a farm or something like i all i see when i look at him is him in a pair of overalls like with a with <laughs> a piece like of a, with like a piece of hay in his mouth <laughs> he seems like a beach guy to me yeah uh, like well, a surfer yeah. yeah he was born yeah. he was born in la oh okay and uh he played football uh, he played football at USC, so I mean he's all American. So you know he's yeah, an athlete. Uh, uh, he's former cop. Oh uh, really? Yeah. So so you know, and he's six three, blonde hair, blue eyes. So you know he's one of those guys. Uh, you know, total American, and it really translates to uh, to a screen. I think that that kind of genuine American nature that he has. Mm-hmm. But I, but I totally um, get you though. I totally get you. Overalls, no shirt, a piece of hay hanging out of his mouth. I could totally yeah, see that man. Straw hat, <laughs> just slowly riding a, a tractor around. Yeah. A, Are you looking at my wall, man? You see my tractor calendar or something? You know, my, <laughs> my beefcake tractor calendar. <laughs> Mr. August. <laughs> Mr. August. I'm at, I'm speaking of Mr. August. I'm gonna try to add him to the call again. <laughs> get Mr. August in here. All right, go ahead, Chris. Keep going. Uh, so up to this point. Uh, we recently covered Alucarda, uh, and up to this point, I thought Alucarda was the screamiest movie that I've ever seen, <laughs> but this has that beat, I think. I'd, I'd like to have those both playing at the same time, like sync up some of those screams, and just uh, it'd be good for like a haunted house or something. Um, actually, my girlfriend referred to Reb as uh, the fake treat Williams, which is, uh, I guess, how she identified him. Um and we talked a bit about his facial expressions. When he's shooting a gun, um, something that I've always noticed about Bruce Willis is he always looks like he's uh, scared of the guns that he shoots. Yeah. Like he does a weird twisted face and he, he sort of holds his face away from the guns yeah. uh, in almost every movie. And uh, Red Brown's got a bit of that going on in yeah. this. Yeah. yeah, I totally get that. The uh, I've always thought that about Willis too. It always looks like he's uncomfortable with a gun. <laughs> yeah, like it, it, he always looks like it's going to blow up in his hand. <laughs> Um, let's see. I'll skip over the Disneyland thing for, for hopefully when Will comes back, if he does. Um, quick note, uh, sad Eagle is probably the best call sign I think I've ever heard in a uh, war movie. I love it, man. <laughs> Especially when Reb's delivering it. <laughs> sad, sad Eagle. Eagle. <laughs> love it. Um, there's a helicopter. Actually, there's a couple of helicopter pilots in this movie and a guy that a gunner as well. And, uh, their helmets are about three times too big for them. Like all you can see is a mustache and lips sticking out of the bottom of the, uh, the goggles. They're so huge. Um, there's a random moment with Dakota kicking a snake. Like he, he, there's a, I think it's a cobra comes up out of the, uh, out of the oh, brush yeah. and he just randomly boots it. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, that as you talked about the torture montage, this is uh, this is definitely the first movie I've ever seen with a full on like ten minute torture montage, and they they throw in a good amount of uh, variety in there. Like it's pretty great. Um, the the weird like weighted thing on his back with his chin on the spike. I've never seen that before. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, there's a lot of uh, stock footage, stock Vietnam footage in this movie. Um, it seems like all the choppers that are are shot in the sky are actual Vietnam footage. I think that it seems like they only had the, the choppers for the movie if they were placed on the ground. Um Everything else looks like it was definitely actual war footage. Um, <laughs> this movie has the uh, one of the oddest uses of the Our Father prayer that I've ever seen in a movie. Uh, <laughs> he screams, Our Father who art in heaven, after jumping off a, an exploding boat. <laughs> so that was a really fucking weird, Our Father who art in heaven! <laughs> he goes jumping off the boat. That was pretty great. It is bizarre. Um. Jakota's not against laying a swift kick to the nuts, like you mentioned. He's uh, he's a dirty fighter. There's a great low angle reaction shot of uh, Reb getting kicked in the nuts. Uh, made me laugh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> talked about that headbutt. Um, so there's like three endings on this fucking thing too. There's the f- the final fight, and then there's a there's a raid on an office building, and then another final fight. And uh, at one point, uh, Jakota gets some grills going. <laughs> Uh, I thought that was pretty awesome. And uh, yeah, my last note is just Americanski. I was going to scream it, but it's too late. I want to wake up the neighbors. Americanski. Americanski. It looks like uh, Will just texted me. It looks like it's not in the cards for him. So he wanted to say uh, thanks for coming on the show, guys. And uh, he'll be back uh, with the Milk Creeps uh, and on another show. We got another one planned later on down the road, maybe. So nice. So yeah, no no will today. So. Yeah yeah, no will today. <laughs> I hope you got something else planned. Oh yeah, this is the last time you guys are gonna be on the show, guys. Have a nice life. Yeah. <laughs> good good to know See you. you in hell. Yeah. <laughs> Love your show. Click. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Let's see here. Okay, let me. I, I don't have a whole lot to add because I've kind of added it as we went along. Uh, I'll just say the, you know, again, it was shot in the Philippines, so all the explosions look terribly unsafe. Um, there's a lot of stunt work. Uh, it's one of those things where it seems like Filipino productions. It seems like they, I don't know, man. They they just uh, threw all caution to the wind. It's like they just went to a bar and says, "Hey, does anybody want to be in a tower? We're going to blow it up." And these guys would just randomly uh, volunteer, and mm. they would nearly blow them up while they're still in the hut. You know. Life is cheap in the Philippines. Um, you know, every I, I work with uh, a few like you know Filipinos who can barely speak English, and in general, like I know like a lot of Filipinos where I live. Uh-huh. And um, whenever I watch like one of these exploitation movies that's shot in the Philippines, and I see like one of my you know Filipino coworkers or whatever, I'm always <laughs> like, hmm, I wonder if like 30 years ago he was like. <laughs> you know, in some random exploitation movie. Yeah, he could have been. And it's like his, and it's like his dirty little secret or yeah. something. That was so awesome. You might want to steer clear of him, man. My joke used to be: I used to work with uh, with a couple of Filipino guys, and uh, my joke used to be that you know, whenever we were all together, like in the break room or something, I'd be like, "I'm out of here, man," because whenever you guys are together, there's always going to be some massive explosion. <laughs> <laughs> it seems a little tasteless now, but you know, you got to remember, I was a genre movie fan, so I'm sitting there, you know, and they're looking at me like I'm crazy, you know. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I've talked about it in the group, but uh, I've, I've never mentioned it on here. But uh, I, I grew up in a super small town off the coast of uh, – on an island off the coast of um, the West Coast here. And um, there was a guy in our town named uh, Ken Peerless, and he actually starred in some Filipino action movies. Um, he was in Phantom Raiders. Ah, yes. He's – He's the guy with the big pot belly and the the Hawaiian shirt, and uh, I didn't know about that until I actually started listening to this show. And and uh, his his children, he had a big uh, family of Filipino kids. He's a white guy, but he married a married a Filipino lady, and uh, he's got a, he had a uh, a bunch of kids. And they always told me their dad was in Filipino action movies, and I never really believed them <laughs> until I heard about Phantom Raiders and I saw him in it. Nice. And uh, it's just crazy, like, and uh, and that one family, you know, there's like 15 or 16 of them, and um, they every once in a while they go back to the Philippines, and like they're known there. It's very cool, so man. That, yeah, it's pretty crazy. I'm looking through his filmography now because I remember you mentioning before, and uh, yeah, I mean, he's in uh, Blood Fist, he's in uh, uh, what you call it, uh, Desert Warrior, which is a Lou Ferrigno movie. Yeah, I mean, he's in some. Uh, he, he, uh, he ran for mayor of the town under the Green Party because he was a big pot smoker. Uh, and he ran like a shish kebab stand on the side of the road. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, you're smoking a lot of weed, man. Shish kebab sounds pretty good. <laughs> yeah, he was a funny guy. Yeah, real character, man. I mean, he's, he's in a movie called Tough Cops where he plays a character named Fat Cat. So yeah. I got to check that out. It's a Ramono Kristoff film. But yeah, it just looks like he, he only did a few films, but still, I mean, it's pretty cool that you got to you know, you got to tie to this era of cinema because it's it's kind of a special era the Philip the Philippine exploitation films. You know, it's it's similar mm-hmm. to not quite Hollywood and, and those type of eras of film. That I love it when a you know a bunch of films are made in a country and they all kind of have this quality to them. Uh, some mm-hmm. some would call it not a quality, but I call it a quality. So yeah, <laughs> I'm thinking thinking about you met a guy who actually met Miles O'Keefe and Lou Ferrigno and you know acting well, with these yeah, guys. St- co-starred with Miles O'Keefe. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> no, it's insane. Dude hung out with Tarzan, man. Well, and his um, uh, his family, or at least his wife's family, uh, I think they were involved in some uh, illicit behavior in the Philippines because they had to leave after uh, at their wedding. They were attacked uh, on their wedding day, and his wife's uh, she was stabbed in the face. Oh, man. And then they they escaped to Canada after that. Jesus. So well, said, uh, I, I have friends who've gone back to the Philippines with his children, and they uh, there's certain areas they they stay clear of because they're still they're still not liked. <laughs> See, see that's, that's that's the quality that uh, Filipino exploitation cinema <laughs> that has that, <laughs> that no other uh, cinema really has. Yeah, life imitating art for sure. <laughs> But yeah, I don't have a whole lot more notes for Strike Commando. I'll just say, you know, there's a great Disneyland speech. There's a YouTube clip of it out there. Uh, I could quote it, but it's just insane. You heard a little bit of it in the beginning. I think, like I said, there's two of them. Um, but it, it's one of those scenes where I can't really tell if it's ad-libbed or if it <laughs> potentially is written that way by Claudio Fergasso, an <laughs> Italian's interpretation of America. Right. Um, it might be written, though, considering there's, you know, and also a line of... Uh, you know, uh, stealing watermelons uh, from an yeah. African American character. It might be written because sometimes the Italian filmmakers <laughs> they uh, they really put uh, <laughs> the Americans yeah, they, into they really pigeonhole the American culture. <laughs> yeah, they don't give a fuck. And after seeing uh, Claudio on the uh, best worst movie documentary, I think it's safe to say that yeah, he doesn't really give a shit. So <laughs> yeah, he doesn't. 
He does change uh, which particular uh, snack food grows on trees from one story to the other. <laughs> Initially, it's ice cream, and then it's popcorn. <laughs> popcorn growing on trees. That also seems like an Italian uh, interpretation of America. <laughs> There's a genie. Yeah. A genie. <laughs> I could see, see him over there going, look, why don't you go over to fucking America, man? Over there, fucking popcorn grows on trees, bro. <laughs> You know, so. oh, geez. Uh, okay, so let's get into our MVTs, make or breaks. Uh, who wants to go first? Aaron, Chris, does yeah, I'll go, I'll okay. go first. All right. Um, my make or break is the fight scene. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. for reasons that we already talked about, uh, MVTs, Reb Brown, nice. He's uh, he's uh, yeah, he's pretty amazing in this. And uh, my score is uh, mm, I'll go at the 7.75 out of 10. Okay. Um, if if there was a little bit more action, like in the first half, mm-hmm. um, it would be like a 8.5 or something. But yeah, that back end is really solid. Um, and, you know, Red Brown, Jakota, all that shit, good stuff. Uh, yeah, 7.75 out of 10. Nice, nice. Cool. Um, <clears throat> okay, well, my make or break is the Disneyland scene. Um, I saw that before I saw the movie, and <laughs> I, was, I was just waiting for it. <laughs> so, uh, and I, like I said, I've watched it like six times since then on YouTube. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the MVT is Red Brown for sure. He makes the movie. Um, his his presence is is uh, great. Yes. Um, and the score for me is an eight, uh, a little bit higher than Aaron. But uh, yeah, uh, I agree. It it does sag a little bit in spots, especially in the first half. But I think once that sort of his capture kicks in and the torture sequence or the montage uh, kicks in, uh, it it it's uh, pretty much fucking rock steady from then on. Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, pretty much in agreement with both of you guys. Uh, my make or break is also the uh, Climax fight, um, MBT, Red Brown. And I also agree that it really does start to pick up once it because it does have a few moments where it's like, uh, come on, man, move along, move along. But yeah. uh, once it starts moving, it moves well. And uh, my score is also an 8 out of 10. Uh, I remember reading uh, uh, a forum post one time about our show. Uh, sometimes I'll Google, I'll be bored and I'll just Google shirts our show. And I remember one of the critiques were that we give good reviews to bad films, <laughs> which I can't think of a more complimentary thing to say about our show. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> then, yeah, it seems like it's kind of the point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, this is a celebration of that type of thing. And this is a great example. This film's a great celebration of this type of cinema. So, yeah. well, you guys, you guys have given me so many uh, beers with buddies. Movies, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. In the history of your show, like the just the best, like this kind of movie is best watched with a group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the kind of you know when me and Will were talking, like we should cover those kind of films, man. You know, the, the kind of films you call your buddies over and say, dude, you got to come over and see this movie, man. Let's have a couple, you know, let's get a six pack and get some pizza or something, man. Sit back and watch this flick, because trust me, you're gonna this is gonna blow your mind. <laughs> so that's why you know Raiders of Linus, Hands of Steel, Stone Cold, all those films are that type of film, in my opinion. So. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a short break, and then us three, the musketeers, so to speak, the musketaints, are going to come back and uh, do uh, Strike Commando 2. So we'll be back right after this. American dream, Dusty Rose, he is. And I'm coming to you live and in a living color. Speak to you, the American people. A podcast called Silver 
Silva and Gold. We talk about movies and shit. Find us on iTunes or silvaandgold.com. an opportunity for me to play circus of power one of my favorite bands from the 80s <laughs> yeah yeah uh with a guitar player named gary sunshine how can you go wrong nice i was air drumming during that break oh yeah man me too hey how about that <laughs> twirling my invisible drumstick yeah i love that break that boom, boom, psh, boom, boom. <laughs> yeah man <laughs> getting into it over here yeah speaking of douche chills okay <laughs> Uh, of course, I, every time I hear that song, I think of the Burbs, right? The uh, scene where uh, Corey Feldman. Have you guys seen the Burbs? I'm sure you have. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He pulls yeah. the speakers out onto the porch and decides to yep. jam out a little Circus of Power. Love that. That reminds me of me as a youth, although I would always bring my speakers out. And, like, I had all these. I was surrounded by old people growing up. And uh, um, I'd bring out my speakers. And I had these gigantic speakers. I had these speakers uh, my dad bought, but he quit using them. Uh, and so I took them over and I ran this monster cable up from my basement. It was like, it's like 90 feet of monster cable. I'd run it up, put them on my porch and these speakers were as tall as me. They were five feet tall. And, uh, well, I'm, I'm taller than five oh, foot. Damn, by the way. They're like the, the house system speakers. Yeah, they're gigantic. They had these two, they yeah, had, yeah. uh, uh, two 15, uh, 15 inch woofers and, in, you know, big, big speakers in them and then small, an eight mm-hmm. inch at the top. And I would play, uh, you know, Slayer and shit like that. My neighbors would go fucking bananas, man. <laughs> Yeah, so that was me. <laughs> Not much different than I am it, now. I picture like an uh, like an eighties music video with like an old lady sitting there like screaming as the camera zooms in on her face like yeah. a fisheye lens. She's drinking coffee and she takes a drink and then Angel of Death kicks in, she spits it, spits <laughs> it everywhere. Her hair's blowing in the wind, you know. <laughs> her top lip whiskers. Yeah. dancing unfortunately it was never quite like i wanted it to be which is like the movie zapped where music is so loud it like blows chicks clothes off you know? <laughs> like the hot yeah. chicks in the neighborhood blows their blouses open you know nothing like that ever i can never get that to work 
So I'd also jam uh, just of our little uh, hindsight. I'd also jam some uh, some Beastie Boys, some uh, It's the New Style or something with that bass drop with those big speakers. Talk about <laughs> yeah. talk about fucking pissing some people off in the neighborhood, man. Jesus. <laughs> anyway, all right. So that's beside the point. Um, our next film is Strike Commando Two, 1988, Trapola Diabolica, also known as. <laughs> Um, Cobra uh, Commando 2 Yeah, Cobra, Cobra Commando 2, that's right uh, This time uh, Ransom's Vietnam squad leader Vic Jenkins is captured by terrorists Demanding $10 million worth of diamonds In return for his release So, uh, okay So probably the most surprising thing about this one uh, Right off the se- right off the bat Is that uh, Richard Harris is in this film <laughs> Yeah, the duck of death himself Yeah, and uh, that kind of came out of nowhere And I remember seeing this the first time a long time ago And I remember thinking, how did Richard Harris Well-renowned actor Richard Harris End up in a Bruno Mattei film And then I remember that he went through a dark time That, uh, you know, he had some uh, He had some <laughs> he had some bar tabs <laughs> Yeah, he had some uh, Some dark days So, you know, sometimes when actors go through dark days In the 80s, they ended up in Italian cinema <laughs> So <laughs> That's just the way it goes. He does. He does not look healthy in this movie oh, no, at all. Even his like, hair. Look, even his sick. hair looks sick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, all this in West Germany, this is known as heroin force, which is a great title. <laughs> I wow. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I don't remember. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I remember some heroin, uh, or I think some some heroin as cocaine or something. <laughs> tell, tell me about heroin force. <laughs> <laughs> There's heroin in the trees. Climb up and grab it. All right, snort so it. You smoke it. <laughs> I have this image of Brent Huff snorting a tree. Uh, Shoot it under your toenail. <laughs> I'll let uh, Aaron volunteered to take the lead on this one. So let's uh, let's get to rocking and rolling. Yeah, uh, in light of Big Willie being captured by Russians, I'm going to take the lead on this <laughs> yeah. one. So uh, let's talk about them Strike Commando 2, Daddy, if you will. <laughs> yeah. uh, so once again, the team of uh, Bruno Mattei and Claudio Fergasso back in full effect. Uh, who's not back in full effect is Red Brown, unfortunately. And uh, going into this, I thought, wow, Brent Huff has some big shoes to fill yeah, as yeah. Uh, Mike Ransom. Uh, looking up his filmography, the only thing that really stood out was Gwendolyn. Um, I think I've, yeah. I've seen him in a few things, but uh, Gwendolyn is the one that stood out, which he made a couple of years before this, which is a great movie. Um, and kind of similar to him and, uh, uh, I think, Tawny Katane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Kind of trekking through the jungle and stuff. Um, so there's a little bit of that in this film, too. Yeah, Gwendolyn is a strange film. A great, yeah, yeah. A great, great film. A strange film, also known as the I've said it before on the show, The Perils of Gwendolyn in the Land of Yik Yak. Mm-hmm. It's also <laughs> yeah. that's the official title of the film. So Yeah. For those who uh, don't know what we're talking about, yeah, that's pretty bizarre. It's even weird to say at this at this stage of the doing the show, it's even weird to say the land of Yik Yak of the Yik Yak. Mm-hmm. So uh, <clears throat> to me this kind of feels like uh like, you know, basically strike commando without the heart. Um, it, mm-hmm. it feels kind of, I don't know, like, I'll be honest, I wasn't a huge fan of this one, mm-hmm. especially following, you know, strike commando, which was pretty amazing. Um, but I guess we'll get into that as I uh, go over my notes. Um, so at Ransom, uh, finally out of the jungle and uh, living in a shitty apartment, you know, down and out, <laughs> the typical uh, 80s action hero. <laughs> yeah. Those, yeah, those apartments lit by neon. Yeah, I'd like to think like all those guys live in the same complex. 
<laughs> like, yeah, like, like Martin Sheen's upstairs. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> Cobretti's down the hall. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cut, cutting pizza with scissors. Like um, they're, they're all trading war stories and shit. That'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, his friend uh, from the military, uh, a major. See, I was kind of confused. I was like, who the fuck is this Major Jenkins guy? That wasn't supposed to be the same major character from the first movie, right? It was a completely different character? I believe so, yes. Okay. I'm going uh, well, to uh, double check that, but I think you might be right. Okay, because uh, <laughs> there was a major in the, the first film that was, uh, he was the only guy who was like pro um, uh, Ransom. He well, was like his supporter. Yeah, there's nobody officially labeled as major jenkins in the cast of the first film oh, okay so, so and i don't remember him ever saying major jenkins either so mm-hmm. okay so he's like this new character who's introduced and uh basically um ransom gets kind of sucked back into uh you know the special ops strike commando thing uh to save his friend who uh is being held captive by the kgb you know those those dirty heel russians yeah um <laughs> And uh, so, yeah, there's that. And, like, there's, like, this big cover-up with his death and, uh, you know, like, damage control and stuff like that. And uh, basically, uh, they're holding him for ransom, literally and figuratively. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, they're basically holding on to uh, this Major Jenkins character until their demands are met and blah, blah, blah. So that kind of um, takes ransom into, uh, you know, back into, like, was this set in the Philippines or, like, somewhere in Indonesia? I wasn't sure. Or was it like back in Vietnam? I don't know. I think it's supposed to be Burma. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Um, I'm assuming they shot it in the Philippines. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, as far as where it's set, then yeah, I guess Burma. I'd say that is a safe assumption. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Judging by the, the Filipino cast members, of yeah. course. And the explosions. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, stand on a rescue mission, um, cross paths with uh, a pretty amazing character. Um, a female character named Rosanna Boom. Uh, <laughs> great. And the first time the that's first a great, time we great character name, Rosanna Boom. Yeah, and the first time we see this lady, uh, she's at a bar, like going drink for drink with some big Filipino guy. Yeah, I can't imagine and, where they got that scene from. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the scenes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they're playing this stupid drinking game where, like, they chug some beers, and the first one to Bert loses, and uh, there's like a bunch of people betting on him. So like this, this really funny scene of them just like sitting there in silence and staring at each other, waiting for the other to to burp. <laughs> she was in. Uh, she was in uh, a view to a kill. I remember her in that, but I think she's also in that uh, that horror film, The House. But I can't remember her character in House. Hmm. She played hmm. a character named Tanya, Tanya, Tanya in, in House, but I don't remember her in that. That's funny. I just watched that not too long ago, too. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, I don't remember from her from House. That's interesting. It is. She was actually in a film too with uh oh well she was in another uh Bate film called Born to Fight, another Brent Huff film. Mm, so. Nice. Where is she from? Sweden. Oh, uh, okay. Yep. Swedish. Yeah, so I as we're introduced to Rosanna, I'm like, oh my god, I think I'm gonna love this chick because <laughs> uh like she's just chugging beers and fucking cussing and chewing up the scenery. Like she's to this movie what George Eastman is to Hands of Steel, <laughs> except she's except she's not a bad guy. Yeah, yeah. Like, could you imagine like a natural born killers type of movie with her and George Eastman? That'd be awesome. <laughs> I'd love it. Love it, man. 
I love her attire uh, too. She's got that denim with the uh, fold over sleeves with the stripes on the inside. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about fucking capturing an era. I hate that fucking shit. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, long story short, her and Ransom team up, and it turns into like romancing the stone or some shit. All of a sudden, yeah. Did you did you guys enjoy the uh, the kind of uh, banter between uh, Ransom and Boom? Mm, parts of it. I fucking hated it. Yeah, it, <laughs> to be completely honest, I hated that stuff. It was a little yeah. stiff and odd. Yeah, yeah. It felt like two I people like- who just met. <laughs> Yeah, I liked it at first, but towards the end it got really bad. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The first, the first time I think in the bar scene, it, it's okay. Um, I, I kind of got behind. It. Of course, the bar scene in general, I got behind because it's pretty fucking insane. Yeah, mm-hmm. but uh, because we'll get to that, I'm sure there's more to the bar scene than just her drinking and burping. It, it's, for some strange fucking reason, ninjas pop up. <laughs> yeah, but uh, the. Um, by the time it gets to the you know helicopter scenes and some of the other stuff in the woods and or the jungle and the diamonds and all that stuff, it does start to get on your nerves quite a bit. Yeah. Well, see, the good thing about that bar scene is it's kind of a pissing contest between the both of them mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of posturing there. But once she finds out, oh, you know, this guy has something that might be of benefit to me, um, it turns into like this forced like relationship kind of thing. So. Yeah. It's inter- it's it's interesting the Matei's known for ripping off other films. I mean that's I'm just going to be honest. I mean, of course most Italian genre cinema is basically rip-offs of other films, but Matei mm. maybe more than any other filmmaker from this period just blatantly rips off stuff. Well, he made a movie called Terminator 2. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, between him and I think Margaretti made one called Alien 2. Yeah. Which uh, yeah, but I mean I think that the these guys, you know, but, he, but Matei might be the most notorious, really. And this one, I mean, it really hides nothing from what it's ripping off. And to the point to where, like we talked about in the first review a little bit, the music is even very, sounds very similar to the Indiana Jones theme, or parts of the Indiana Jones theme, anyway. Just enough where that's what it reminds you of, anyway. Yeah, they try, definitely. <laughs> yeah. That's a good call because, yeah, one of my notes, it was exactly like it turns into like this weird Indiana Jones ripoff kind of music. But uh, at first, I have to say, I kind of like the music, uh, like in the first, I don't know, 10 minutes um, mm-hmm. because yeah. it's like this really synthy kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, like parts of it sounded like 80s, you know, European horror. And like there was a bit like a, a, a quick musical bit that kind of sounded like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, the theme song. <laughs> very briefly. Yeah. Um, so I was like, wow, that's unusual. You know, we're going to get like a weird, you know, kind of horror atmospheric score in this movie. But then, yeah, that shit gets thrown out the window real quick because uh, the music in this movie is awful. Like we're yeah, talking about, it turns, it turns into Indiana Jones, like, you know, ripoff <laughs> yeah. music mixed with like some second rate, you know, Richard Band style synthesizer stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, um, uh, it's interesting. It's the same uh, composer who did Stage Fright, the Suave film. Oh, okay. And uh, he'd done a couple other things, but it's obvious to me, though, that you know he just had the the instructions. Like, look, we're basically ripping off Indiana Jones here. Yeah, yeah. I need some I need some John Williams s type material here. <laughs> yeah, and that music really kicks in right right during the action scene in the bar. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Not to sidetrack, but uh, I'm pretty sure he did. You know, it's safe to assume he did. But did Bruno Mattei ever get into that? Um, you know, the whole. Uh, Italian post-apocalypse thing because I know like Martino and Castellari they're like you know probably the more well-known examples of the directors who kind of dived into that but uh, I can't really think of anything he did 
Matei. Well, the rat that rats movie yeah. is a post-apocalyptic movie. Yeah. Oddly oh, enough. Okay. Matei mostly is either horror films. Uh, I think he did Robo War. Yes. And uh, a few other things, but uh, mostly for him, it's either pornography. He's a little like D'Amato. Um, yeah, yeah. Maybe a little bit more talented version of Joe D'Amato. Uh, I don't know. That kind of depends on your taste, I guess. <laughs> mm, he didn't yeah. make as many films as D'Amato. Um, he only made 54 movies as opposed to 154 movies. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, he, he, he did a few things like westerns and things like that. But, you know, zombies and things like that were more his thing it seems like i don't recall well i can tell you this there's no outside of rats and robo war there's nothing that springs to mind immediately but i could be wrong because i definitely have not seen all of the work of mr bruno Mattei. yeah uh that would be an interesting wormhole to go down <laughs> uh yeah that, that could be painful actually <laughs> yeah really bad um so it's cool to know that the strike commandos in the and the three amigos have the same motto. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, nice. <laughs> Didn't expect the um, three amigos reference this morning. <laughs> so uh, without getting into details about the plot and stuff, I'll just say that um, at one point later in the film, Rosanna uh, poses as a hooker. Uh, once she gets like, you know, into deep or whatever. And, uh, but unfortunately for her, she gets paired up with like a, she gets set up with like a sadomasochistic Mr. Fuji. <laughs> yeah, I really like that guy. Yeah, and uh, his his yeah, he seems like a heavy from a Sadaris movie or something, right? <laughs> yeah, he does. Uh, it's always it always makes me smile whenever I see an Asian actor who has a silk robe with either a dragon or a snake on it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he had a he had a peculiar accent though. It was like a mix of Japanese and Chicano. He's like, you're going to do it, I tell you. <laughs> it was very strange. Painful. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? Well, yeah, the, the Philippines has a, a heavy Spanish influence because of, the, uh, b- because of the, the Spanish presence in that country. So that's actually probably pretty accurate. Yeah, it probably is. You're yeah. right, right. <laughs> uh, I, I love the one crash zoom in this movie on Rosanna's face right before the ninja attack. <laughs> yeah. um, and and by ninja attack I mean the ninja walks into a room and gets like shot <laughs> in the back by Ransom who's packing like more heat than the Terminator yeah but I love I love how he just sort of casually walks in and blasts the dude too <laughs> yeah what I also love about Ransom is he's got like one of those superhero punches like he'll punch a dude and he'll go clear across the room yeah I mean like fly through the air man he'll go through some wicker shit and it, it's like amazing to me that you know that he's got this superhero punch that he just doesn't use it more and more. Mm-hmm. I was looking through Matei's uh, filmography, trying to count how many cannibal films the dude made. He made a lot of cannibal movies too. Oh uh, yeah, he made can- made a lot of cannibal movies after it was not cool to make cannibal movies. <laughs> his last <laughs> film, that, his last film guy. was a cannibal movie. I think oh, it was a zombie movie. My bad, but yeah, uh, he was that guy. <laughs> yeah, he was like a. Um, just to kind of touch on that last note I have, this movie might have the worst ninjas I've ever seen. Oh, they're terrible. Yeah, they suck. Because, like, their actions don't exactly, like, you know, reflect people who would go through, like, disciplined ninja training. Yeah. Instead, they just seem like a bunch of hired guns dressed in ninja costumes. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think kind of the key to being a ninja is being stealthy, right? Well, these guys, <laughs> yeah. they're, the, they're the least stealthy ninjas I've ever seen. They're constantly screaming. <laughs> yeah. And they just walk into like a fight. Yeah. They don't they don't sneak into the fight. They just walk into it. Yeah, or like jog, you know? <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? Dude, you're, there, getting, you're getting it wrong. There is one guy who kind of does some ninja shit and like uh, climbs like underneath the truck as it's moving on the road. But then like he just climbs up on the door and like... <laughs> Get shot or punched off or something. So. Yeah, <laughs> these poor ninjas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> an hour and eleven minutes in, and uh, shit gets realistic because uh, Rosanna gets a hold of a machine gun, mm-hmm. and uh, I gotta say the images of her, images of her shooting said machine gun are pretty amazing. <laughs> like y- you could make a T-shirt out of that shit or something. Yeah, chicks with guns. It's a it's a great like uh, selling point for like that chicks with guns type thing. She gets mm-hmm. some serious uh, jowl jiggle going. Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys think she was uh, pretty, hot, uh, sexy? What? Which one? Because I, I think there's a difference mm. between all three of those. Um, not, not sexy. No. Um, what about cute? Yeah, I'd lean more in the cute. She's a little bit of cute and uh, hot. I think. Okay. All right. I, um, I can go there. Uh, I, I'd go with. I'd go more with cute. Yeah, I, I didn't get sexy, but uh, yeah. no. So I was wondering if anybody else no, did. No, no. So I think no. she looked a lot better when she went uh, incognito. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, mm, she, I, I liked her as a blonde better. Yeah, I, I'm not a big blondes guy, so yeah, I'm not a big blondes guy either. But the thing is that when she goes incognito, it, it it's like she the wig totally. I mean, it, it works, but I mean, she looks so odd. Her face and that wig <laughs> just don't look, go together for some reason for me. Yeah, yeah. There's a great moment where she's in that costume and a henchman walks up and sort of pretends to be picking lint off of her shirt, yeah. but he's like trying for a nipple tweak. <laughs> <laughs> I, lo- I love the henchmen that go for the nipple tweak immediately. You know, it's a brave bastard, you know? Yeah. Well, if, if that was the case, he was doing a shitty job because uh, his, his hand was like two inches too high. Yeah. <laughs> she, uh, I'm looking at some Google image searches of her and, uh, she uh she she hasn't aged too incredibly well. Let me just yeah. say that. That's a shame. She's got well, these she's got piercing eyes. That's what I I think the one yeah. thing I get from her is that her eyes. Her eyes are very distinctive. Mm-hmm. Well, in her voice, it sounds like she's been drinking whiskey like since she was a baby. Yeah. Like she's got a really crazy voice on her. Uh especially when she's screaming. She kind of sounds like a monster. Um <laughs> Uh, something like the she's kind of like the Reb Brown of the movie with the amount she screams. Oh man, I'm looking here. She evidently she had some fitness music back in the day. <laughs> she's on the cover of an album with her and George Best called "Shape Up and Dance." Nice, nice. Have to do some research on that later. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't really have much more on this movie. Like I said, um, I don't know how you guys feel. I'm not a huge fan personally, um, mostly because. Of the absence of uh, of Reb Brown, you know, I, I kind of gave Brent Huff the benefit of a doubt and hoping he'd kind of, you know, at least add something um, different to mm-hmm. the character. He did, but not in a good way. I don't think he was kind of he was kind of dull to me. He was like the he was more like the smart ass, you know, action yeah. hero, kind of like Jack Burton kind of thing. He's trying. Mm-hmm. To, he's trying. To, it feels like he's trying to give it a little bit of a. He's trying to work a little bit of a Clint Eastwood angle too with the cigarillo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's working a couple things. Have you seen much Bryn Huff? Either one of you guys? No. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's not. I mean, he's in a lot of these movies. Um, I'm sure you will see plenty if you keep on your <laughs> your Mill Creek thing. Uh, <laughs> you'll see more because uh, he's he's definitely been in quite a bit of that type of material. Yeah, um, he directs films a lot too. Yeah, that's right here. And uh, he, you know, he, he, award-winning films. If it's uh, <laughs> if we're going by that uh, article that Will posted today, yeah, I don't know about that. But uh, anyway, <laughs> from the Azerbaijani <laughs> Times. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, my last note is: if you live in an apartment or in a house with uh, you know neighbors in close proximity, you might want to turn the volume down towards the end because uh, someone might fuck around and call the cops on you. There's a lot of fucking gunfire in the back end. Yeah, yeah, there is. There is. He plays a. He's in a film that I've always wanted to see called Tinker Crank. For enough, and he he plays a character. He he plays the the title character. His character name is Tinker Crank. Wow. And I don't know what kind of movie it is because there's no like, there's nothing on IMDb about just just Tinker Crank or is there, yeah, is that no. like his last name? No, just Tinker Crank. That's his name. Wow. <laughs> it's like a hipster steampunk movie. I don't know what it is, but uh, yeah. Is that like I don't know? I'm thinking of like Rumpelstiltskin's cousin or something. <laughs> it's a great name though, Tinker Crank. <laughs> it just sounds like sleazy and bizarre and weird and everything all mixed together. Um, all right, Chris, what do you, what do you got to add to uh, Strike Commando Two? <laughs> well, okay, well, staying on the the Huff train, um, I I. Uh, like Aaron said, I, I held out hope that he was going to bring something to the role. I think his um, his performance of the action uh, stuff in the movie isn't too bad. Yeah, uh, you can tell he, he performs his own stunts. Yeah, um, there's a there's a great Indian another Indiana Jones sort of rip off in Swords of the Back End with a, a truck chase sequence. Oh yeah, uh, that, that I think is kind of in terms of the action is kind of the highlight of the movie, mm-hmm. and uh, you can tell that's him on the truck. Yeah. Uh, climbing around. So that was kind of impressive. And he has a couple of fight scenes at the front end that, uh, you know, he doesn't do too bad. And, but, uh, as far as presence, uh, he's just not, he's not nearly what Reb Brown is. Um, we talked a bit about Richard Harris. I, I was also amazed that he was in this movie. Um, you know, I, I mean, he's a respected actor. Like he was a stage actor, uh, his presence in this kind of reminded me a little bit of Richard Burton and the Klansman in that, like, you can see him. You can see his <laughs> liver failing on screen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, he's he's well known to be a. He was a, a heavy duty alcoholic, and you can see it on his physical in his physical presence in the movie. Uh, he yeah. doesn't look well. Um, he looks really sick. Uh, even him moving around in the movie, like he just does not look like. He looks like he's on his last legs. I'm amazed he he lived so much longer after this. Um, yeah, I think he started to get cleaned up a little bit. And I know, yeah. you know, when I was a kid, I remember him in um, uh, Orca and mm-hmm. uh, stuff like that. And Tarzan the Ape Man, which I just watched because I knew Bo Derek was really nude and it. it's an awful movie. But uh, I remember seeing him in Tarzan. I remember my dad saying, uh, shows you what kind of parents I had. We're watching a movie all together with Bo Derek naked most of the time. <laughs> um, but I remember my dad saying, man, that guy needs to lay off the sauce. Yeah, and uh, I didn't know what he meant at the time, but yeah, it is amazing that from you know that was 1981, and he didn't pass away until uh, 2002. Yeah, but well, and I mean, uh, he was only well, 72 though, so I mean, it's you know that was a rough 72 years. I mean, he looked yeah, older well, I than mean, 72. that's that's fairly that's older than I would have given him. Yeah, yeah, I think it's probably older than he would have given himself. Honestly. <laughs> 
Because <laughs> I mean, yeah, we talked about that that when we did the Klansman on our our show. Richard Burton is basically like laying in a bed for oh, most man. of that movie because yeah. he's so he's so at the at the end of his, you know, he, he looks like he's dying on screen, and this just reminded me so much of that. Yeah. Um, so we haven't talked too much about or at all about uh, Captain Kreminski. Um, he's sort of like a Belloc type character, except he's an assassin, but. Um, He's very Belloc style in terms of his white suit and yeah. uh, his presence in the movie. He's a bit like a combination of Belloc and the uh, the Nazi with the coat hanger uh, from Raiders. Um, he he's definitely no uh, Jakota. He's sort of the Jakota of this movie too. Mm. Um, in the opening scene, he uh, garrets a character in the at the front of a train in front of a whole bunch of people, a whole bunch of witnesses. I thought it was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. He like walks up and he pulls it out and there's a bunch of people just sitting on the cha- on the train watching him do it. So yeah. or like <laughs> looking out the window. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering where he went after he did that. He's like the he's like the Jakota who likes to read, who enjoys <laughs> yeah. a good book. <laughs> um, nice. nice. Um, so I was surprised that this is actually a proper sequel to Strike Commando. When I looked at the cast um, and didn't see any uh, carryover characters, I was sure that this was one of those Italian sequels that wasn't at all related to the first movie and they just slapped the name on it. But uh, as soon as they said uh, his name being Ransom, I was pretty surprised. Yeah. Uh, One thing that I I always am confused by is in movies where a Ransom is uh, called up, why they ask for it in diamonds. <laughs> like, why would you, I mean, that's a whole extra step in the process of yeah. getting money from people. Like, why would you, usually if you get diamonds, you have to fence them. Don't you lose money in the process? It would seem that way. Diamonds or gold. I, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. It just seems like it's a lot of work. Yeah. Like, why not just ask for the cash? Yeah. I don't know. It always confused me. Um, I do think, in terms of the overall stunt work and action in this, it's a it's a little more impressive. In in like, I mean, they actually have helicopters in the air. Yeah. Uh, in this production. Yeah, that that's a weird thing. I have to agree that it's not the film the first film is. No. But it, it's weird because you can see that the film is better made mm-hmm. than the first film. Like they had a little bit more cash, or maybe a little bit more diamonds, <laughs> or maybe uh, something. But it it it's it's a weird movie because. One of my big notes on this movie, and I'll go ahead and say it now, just kind of time with that, is this one just doesn't have the insanity of the first no, one. No, no, no. And so it doesn't have that charm and that likability, but it does feel like a better made film, especially coming from Bruno Mattei, who is not a, you know, not a master filmmaker of any sort. So I guess some people would argue different, but, uh, you know, especially Awesome Fabian. You know, no offense. I mean, but he's just, you know, not to me, he's not a master filmmaker, but. Uh, it does feel like a well-made B film as opposed to the first one, which felt like they were really flying by the seat of their pants. But I think that flying by the seat of their pants in the first one really gives it the charm that makes it special. Yeah, it's a lot scrappier. Yeah. yeah. Um, was the first one a success, do you know? I do not know. I do not like know. A, I mean, in terms of, of these types of movies? I would I would bet that it, it almost have to be because, you know, Italian cinema – from the '80s, it was really starting to die, and they uh, they would they would run off these low budget films, and um, they would make money worldwide, obviously, but not I mean not a ton of money, but they didn't need to make a whole lot. 
Because it definitely seems like they threw more money at this movie yeah. than the, the first one. Well, I mean, the Italian exploitation thing, thats Hollywood basically thrives on that model now. It's basically go to another country, shoot, you know, shoot these films for very little money, make them as, um, as universal as possible. In other words, make either action or big superhero movies or something like that, which are, if you think of superhero movies, they're basically exploitation films. Yeah, and you know Hollywood's basically thriving on what uh, Italy thrived on through the seventies and the eighties. So, well, yeah, I mean, Eastern Europe is definitely the the Southeast Asia of <laughs> yeah. modern times. No doubt about that. Yes, that, that movie <laughs> I just watched, that Number Station movie, I told everybody to avoid. I bet I didn't look, but I bet that movie was shot in Eastern Europe. <laughs> I'd bet money, Bulgaria or somewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we talked about the bar scene. It's it's full on Raiders knockoff material. Um, <laughs> Mary Stevens, no Karen Allen though, and uh, that I like. I was disappointed that the 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 goal of that drinking competition was uh, something as stupid as a, a, a resistance of burping. But um, I liked I liked Brent at the bar. Um, I thought it was funny that the diamonds floated in his drink. <laughs> Um, and, and when, uh, white suit walks in flanked by four ninjas, I, I started to get my hopes up a little bit Yeah, yeah. Uh, cause I was, I was convinced that this movie was going to maybe be similar to the first and that maybe the second half was going to blow me away more than the first half, but, yeah, yeah. uh, <laughs> to no avail. No, it's unfortunate. Um, tonally across the board, this one is a lot more all over the place than the first movie too. Um, there's the really weird oddball comedy mixed with like the sadomasochist guy, um, the guy in the white suit screaming, I hate women and really fucking manhandling Staven at one point. He's like really pulling her hair and yeah. chucking her around and slapping the shit out of her. Uh, I was pretty surprised by that. Um, uh. and then there's, you know, there's another torture sequence. So, I mean, it, it goes dark and then it goes super light, uh, and, and, the the score makes it seem like they're just shooting for light even when there is really dark shit going on on screen. Yeah. Um we get some extreme soft focus in the forest scene uh to the point where at least in the version I watched it looked like it was blobs of color almost. <laughs> I could barely tell what the fuck was happening. Yeah. <laughs> um let's see. Oh, Huff lays down like a uh Three Stooges style stealth attack on a, a guard at the uh, at the uh, drug processing lab. <laughs> he like pops up and stabs him, in the, pokes him in the eyes with the double finger poke. Yeah, that was kind of funny. That's bizarre. I don't, I don't, I don't know what they're going for there. <laughs> yeah, like it, like I said, this kind of fits in with the tonal thing. Um, and we get uh, the classic uh, sort of uh, trick double cross with Harris pulling a knife and stabbing a bug on uh, Huff's back, uh, which I've seen in a million movies. I'm sure we've all seen that one done to mm-hmm. death. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. I talked about that. Oh, there's a decent stunt. Uh, I, like I said, the, the truck stunt is pretty good, or all the stunts on the truck. That ch- whole sequence is pretty decent. Uh, there's a pretty crazy stunt where uh, the truck crashes into a scaffold. Uh, I thought that was fairly impressive. Guys jumping off the top of the scaffold yeah. as the truck crashes through it in slow-mo. I think that's the most impressive stunt in the movie. Might be. Um, and then, like I said, there's a, you know, the Jakoda surrogate character in this. There's a big showdown. Um, it's it's more um, 
literally dirty than uh, than the first movie. There's a lot of mud wrestling going on in the back end of this movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's about all I've got. Mud wrestling. Yes. <laughs> it's not the kind of mud wrestling you want to see either. No. But it is very muddy. Of course, yes. you know, it doesn't help that a white suit is involved. I mean, that's going to make it dirty very quick. Yeah. Um, I don't have a whole lot more to add. I mean, uh, obviously, I do prefer Red Brown to Brent Huff. I like Huff a little bit. He's always felt like a, like I said, a sleazier, like 90210 <laughs> version of an Italian B star. He does have one of these odd qualities, though, uh, that I, I can't quite figure out. I don't know if he was going for the Clint Eastwood strong and silent type or the comedy thing. I don't know what he was doing, but... Uh, mm-hmm. He doesn't really have the chops to pull off either. I think he could probably do the strong silent type better. Uh, I've seen him in a few things, and where he's been kind of quiet and stuff, he's a little bit better. But that's, you know, that's a taste thing. Um, and the scream acting does continue. There's a little bit of screaming from Huff and Harry. He doesn't have quite the uh, the octave range that uh, Red Brown has, but he does <laughs> scream a little bit. <laughs> uh, so it's pretty cool. The, the amount of space between Brent Huff's forehead and his hairline... <laughs> It's pretty amazing. He ha- he wears a bandana that might as well be one of those like ear covers you wear in the winter, uh, you know, to cover your ears only. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not that Aaron would know much about winters where he's at, but still, I mean, you know, you see those things, and I'm always like, but this this bandana is insane. I mean, it's like huge. It's you could fucking write, I don't know what on that thing. He's got a huge forehead. It really <laughs> accentuates the fact that he's got this huge forehead, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, this one just does, it lacks that quality of the insanity. The the heavy isn't insane enough. He does have some great lines. No. Uh, some uh, great, just like, what the fuck type moments where he speaks some light and stuff. Uh, that's just like, what the hell? Who wrote this shit? And then you remember that it was <laughs> Fergasso yeah, and his wife. He does scream, I hate women. <laughs> yeah. So that's the, one, that's the the standout line from him for yeah, me. Yeah, I think anyways. he says, I hate queers, too. Yeah. yeah she says, like, yeah, I got a lot of gay friends, too. And he's like, I hate queers. <laughs> so it's, what the hell? Who wrote this? And then you got to, like I said, you go back and you remember that it's Claudio Fergasso and his uh, his life partner, I should say. I don't think they're married, but. They wrote Troll 2 as well. She's in the documentary as well. Mm-hmm. She's one of the ones that also feels like Americans didn't get what they were going for with Troll 2. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, none of us did, evidently. So, But, uh, yeah, I mean, I like elements of this film. I really do. I do think it's a, a better made film. But it's it's weird because it's a better made film, but not nearly as entertaining. And uh, that's one of those strange things where it's like Matei, if he could have got the action out of this one and kept the insanity from the first one and kept Red Brown out of the two, he might have came up with like a like a true classic. Now, Matei, I, I don't really think these are probably my favorite Matei films, honestly. Uh, his zombie stuff's a little leaves me a little wanting, uh, a little lacking. And But I'm not a big zombie guy anyway. I will say that some of it's pretty cool uh, as far as cheap Italian productions go. But uh, I've only seen one of his cannibal films. I'm not the biggest cannibal guy. Mm, uh, yeah. Seen one, seen them all, basically. Yeah, yeah I mean, exactly. pretty much the same thing. So um, I can't really say if those are really great or not. But out of all of his films I've seen, I think Strike Commando is probably the most entertaining film he ever made. And and this, uh, even though I think I liked it more than Aaron did, I still did not like it nearly as much as the first one. Well, I think the first one works in spite of Matei. Yeah. <laughs> because of Rev Brown, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so without him, it's just Matei 
at the helm with this. Like he's he's at the forefront, so mm-hmm. uh, he's not a skilled enough director to like. There's nobody with the same charisma or presence, so right. it's just him on this one. So yeah, that, I I think I had some. You know, I was hoping. I will say that I like the opening of this thing. I like the slow motion trek through the swamp or whatever mm. it is. I like that. Uh, it kind of gives it a nice vibe to open the film. Yeah. Um, it actually might be one of the best things overall that Matei ever shot <laughs> uh, in, in all of his film history. Uh, but I'm trying to think, man. I think I like Scalps a little bit, the Western he made with Fergasso, but I can't remember if Fergasso directed some of that too. But anyway, but I do like the opening, and I, and I like bits and pieces, and I do like the action. I just didn't really care for the banter between him and the, the, the female and uh, I think the double cross, it's not even a spoiler because I think you see it coming a mile away. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like from the first time you see uh, the, the Richard Harris character, I mean, you see it like from right there. Yeah, it just, it just felt like such a half-assed double cross. <laughs> I know it did. It did. And it's, that, that really is what the movie kind of hinges on. But you see it coming like so far away that yeah. you're just, it, you end up at a point where you're spending like 40 minutes waiting for the double cross. Yeah, exactly. And you kind of get bored. You kind of get to the point where you're like, okay, we're just doing a bunch of exposition dialogue again. We're we got a cool bar scene, but then we just got a bunch of goofy scenes. And okay, oh, here's the double cross. Here we go. Now we get the action ramped up again. So I will say though, outside of the opening, um, the back end of the film is the best part of the film. Like Chris said, this the action in the back end. Now, while not as crazy as the first film, it is still pretty well done. The stunts pretty well done. And bravo to Brent Huff. You can, like I said, you can obviously, like Chris said, you can obviously tell he's. He's going for it, but you know, like I said, if you're shooting films in the Philippines, you kind of had to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, so let's get into make or breaks. All right, uh, make or break. I was going to go with uh, Brent Huff as a break, but after talking about the movie and thinking about it, it's probably one of those, you know, like it is what it is, and you just kind of have to deal with it because, like, I have a feeling, you know, this was a a rush film, and uh, Bruno Mattei's number one priority wasn't to get the cast back from the first one his priority was just was to just make a movie so um it could have been worse so i'll just say that but uh i'll go with the make and that would be the the bar scene i really like that a lot <laughs> yeah um my mvt is mary staven who plays rosanna i loved her in this nice um and my score is a, a 5.25 out of 10 okay all right chris all right <clears throat> my make or break is the bar scene Nice. Like I said, it got my hopes up because uh, I thought it was pretty well done. Or maybe not well done, but it had enough uh, variety and interesting shit going on that uh, I thought that that vibe was going to continue through the rest of the movie. Um, the MBT is, hmm, I guess, the action because the action that is in it is well done um, for the yeah. most part. Yeah. And it's the only thing that makes the movie worth watching, but none of it is really a standout in terms of the genre or anything. So there's probably better movies shot in the Philippines with crazier stunts you can watch. I'm sure there is, actually. Uh, and the score for me, I, I didn't dislike as much as Aaron. I'd give it a six. Uh, it was watchable. I didn't, I, I, there was no point where I was like, holy fuck, I want this to end right this second. But, you know, it's, it's a, a little above average in terms of this kind of stuff, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my make or break is also the bar scene. It's not the most insane bar scene I've ever seen. Uh, it gets close. It never will come as close as the ninth configuration bar scene, which is still the 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 bar <laughs> the ultimate bar scene. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> yeah. It's still the ultimate bar scene of all bar scenes. But um, they're, you know, and that's saying a lot, really, because there's a lot of, if you think about movies and cinema in general, there's a lot of great bar scenes, you know? Oh, yeah. Eddie Murphy in 48 Hours. Uh, Jesus. That's a, great, that's a great idea for a thread for the group, unless somebody already did that. Yeah, I don't think anybody's ever done that, actually, but bar, that would be a deep one because there's a lot of great bar yeah. scenes in cinema. There's even a great one in uh, Stone Cold. Mm-hmm. There's a great bar scene with the pool mm-hmm. cues and stuff when he first meets the Forsyth character. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Pretty awesome. Um, my MVT, I'm going to go with Matei because I really feel like out of all, all the cinema of his I've seen, this might be one of his most complete films. Uh, it doesn't really feel as slapdash as most of his other films have felt over yeah, the years. Yeah, that's true. Uh, my score is a little bit higher than your guys. Uh, you guys, you guys, uh, 6.75. Because uh, I, did, I did find it entertaining. I, I, I can't believe I did because I'd seen it before. And I remember really despising it. Uh, hmm. But I think because I wanted to, I think because I wanted, at that time, even when I saw it, I think I wanted more Red Brown and more of that insanity. And I didn't judge the film on its own merits. And so on its own merits, I think the action's good. I think Huff's passable, but not nearly as interesting. Um, and uh, yeah, just, you know, I had fun with it. Uh, but I do think it is lacking. So. Yeah. There we go. All right, that's the Strike Commando Double Deuce. I know I'm sad that Will couldn't be here for it. I would I would have liked to hear his, hear his thoughts. I know I know how he feels about Strike Commando quite well. We've talked about it often, me and him, but I don't know how he feels about Strike Commando 2. So I guess we'll all have to wait till next week and see if he can give us like a brief update on that or maybe post it on Bummer. the group. We're going to have to go into the, the, into the jungle and uh, <laughs> set him free. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but that is everything. Um where can you awesome. guys? What are we doing next week? Yeah. <laughs> what are you guys doing next week? Yeah. I see what you guys did recently. Yeah, there we go. Now uh, I've been looking through the Facebook groups while we've been talking here. Um, but where can everybody find you guys? Huh? Give everybody an update. Let's get some websites, uh, some info out there. Yeah, well, uh, you can download our show on iTunes, or um, if you have a smartphone, you can uh, listen to us or download us on Stitcher Radio. Nice. Um, or you can just check out our site. It's uh, millcreeps.lipson.com. And uh, we're on Facebook. We have a Facebook group and a page. So, yeah, just look us up on Facebook and uh, hit us up. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. And also, these guys are, for those of you who don't know, and I don't know who does at this point, but we do pick up new listeners all the time. Uh, CDR and Aaron are also big parts of our group as well, and they have been for some time. So, it's uh, great to have you guys on as a as a unit. Uh, yeah. Like I said, I'm Misspoke earlier. Thought it was Chris's debut, but I forgot that I wasn't on that episode. So there you go. That's what I get for thinking <laughs> early in the morning. <laughs> well, if you're not on the show, it doesn't count. So yeah, yeah that's right. always, it's a debut for me. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah, it was great having you guys on, and uh, yeah, we do look forward to having. We do have something lined up for those of you who are not in the know. Uh, but Ooh, nice. Uh, We'll have something lined up again to have the guys back on again. So, and I am going to be on the Milk Creeps at some point. I just kind of put it off. I, I was setting it up, and then I just like you know what? They're going to be on. Our, I knew that we had already started planning the episodes. These two episodes this week and next week. I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna wait it out a little bit because I don't want to oversaturate. But I'm I'm going to come on the Milk Creeps. Got to come on the Milk Creeps. Yeah, anytime, man. Anytime. Just hit me up. Let me know. I love the cinema you guys cover, which is <laughs> near and dear to yeah, my heart. <laughs> Yeah, because you're not going to cover Legend of Bigfoot on your show, right? So. No, I'm not. <laughs> I would love to, but I'm not going to, typically. Yeah. But yeah, that's everything. Uh, I guess next week uh, we are doing... Well, yeah, I think we want to keep it a secret right now, but uh, we got another 
like uh, special guest type thing going and uh, some good films coming. So, nice. yeah, look forward to that. We'll announce it on the Facebook group, I'm sure. Or maybe we'll just surprise everybody and just put the fucker out. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, guys, thanks so much for coming on. Appreciate it. Thank and you. Stepping Thank in, you. especially for uh, <laughs> the absent Large William, who's not absent very often, but got stuck in the trees. Yeah. What would happen if, like, we weren't on the show? Would you have done the show by yourself? Um, no. <laughs> I just would have hit my Skype contacts and called somebody <laughs> <laughs> and said, hey, dude, have you ever seen Strike Commando? <laughs> <laughs> I'm positive. I'm absolutely 100% positive yeah, that I have yeah. more than five or six people in my Skype contacts who've seen Strike Commando 1 and 2. Who, who can just talk about Strike Commando 1 and 2 at the at the drop of a hat. Although, sadly, it looks like most of the people that are, I don't know about, should say sadly, um, yeah, Brian Trenchard Smith's online, so maybe yeah, I could have talked to him about it, maybe. Nice. Hit him up. <laughs> He's been like, what the hell? But anyway, no, the... Uh, it uh, looks like everybody that's online for me outside of you guys is in England, so I don't know if they had seen it or not. <laughs> <laughs> so who knows? I would have figured something out. Uh, I've never know. done anything by myself, so I don't know. It would have been interesting. Don't think it would have been as much fun, though. No. All right. So that is everything. With that, I'll say adios. 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 Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com. You can call the gentleman at 206-666-5207 and you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com 